You're listening to the audio-only version of the Moe Gamer podcast. Don't forget you can watch a video version of this episode over on YouTube. Check moegamer.net for a link to the channel. And now, on with the show. Hi everyone and welcome to the Moe Gamer podcast. I'm Pete Davison from moegamer.net. Once again joining me is my good friend Chris Kasky of mrgilderpixels.com, a lovely talented pixel artist who you should very much consider commissioning for some uh, icons or uh, crafted pixel things and that sort of thing. So, hello Chris. Hello Pete, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, summer appears to have returned here. I had a nice few days of it being nice and cool and, and rainy, but uh, it seems to have uh, got bright and hot again. So if you hear any lawn mowing in the background, that's uh, my neighbour taking full advantage of the sunshine. So I don't know if you can hear that on here, but uh, if, you, <laughs> no. if you can, that is the reason. I have the door open because it's very hot. <sighs> right. So, uh, it's been a little while since our last podcast, so we have a hell of a lot to talk about today. It's probably going to be mostly focusing on the news and perhaps what we've been playing recently, but we do have a topic in mind for our third segment, as usual. So we're going to follow the usual uh, structure. We're going to kick off with a discussion of some of the news that's been coming out of late, because we've uh, we've just had TGS at the time of recording, we've just had a very impressive Nintendo Direct as well. So, um, where do you want to start? Um... Let's start at the beginning. Uh, a couple, couple weeks ago, um, you know, because there's a lot of things that are just little snippets that don't require a huge amount of conversation. Mm-hmm. But uh, there is a new East game in development. Yes, a brand new title. Not, um, you know, generally the cycle with East games from Falcom has kind of been a brand new title, then a little bit of a waiting period, and then we usually get some kind of remake or revisit of one of the older ones, and it kind of cycles like that. But there is, as has been promised, a new East game in development, a sequential title that I assume will be East 9, right, mm-hmm. at this point. So um, that's just exciting, because I know we're both pretty big fans of that series. Yeah, definitely. I was kind of surprised, though. A lot of people were expecting there to be some sort of East 5 remake, because that's the one that hasn't had any remakes to date. Yes, um, yes. Which is a bit of a shame, really, because I'm curious to check it out, but um, I'm, I'm sure that'll happen eventually. Five is the one that technically never came west officially, right? That was the one That's that had, right, yeah. had like the weird separate developer, and then and it wasn't. Um, I, I think that one did go back to Falcom. Four, oh, four okay. was the really four was the really weird one that had two versions. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, okay, but five five kind of uh, shook up the art style a little bit. Um, yeah, it was a it, bit more drab, wasn't it? It had more yeah, of like a western. It was inspired. a bit more drab, but I, I think it was sort of set in. Um, the East World's equivalent of Africa as well, so it was a lot of sort of uh, sort of arid landscapes and that sort of thing, which kind of contributed to that. Okay. Um, but uh, it also had quite a minimal interface, and uh, some people sort of criticised the original for looking a bit too much like every other um, Super Famicom RPG at the time, so oh. that's, that's perhaps why it's not quite so well known, but it's also it's not had um, anywhere near as many remakes as, as the earlier ones as well particularly not uh, Ease 1 and 2 which have been remade almost as many times as Final Fantasy 1 by this point <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah I'm definitely up for uh, for an Ease 9 I actually still need to play Ease 8 to be honest But yeah um, me too <laughs> I just kind of played it briefly when it came out to see you know what it was like like you know like an hour and a half maybe so I mean, yeah, it, I'm ready for a deep dive but I still it's, have to play um Oh god, what was the other um the one that came out on the Vita and it was just released on PC. Oh the Memories re- of Celsetta, yeah, that's the yeah, remake of four. Yeah, I haven't played that one yet either. Oh, which is that's, ho- that's great. You need to play that definitely. 
it was just hilarious because like that's the game that made me buy a Vita. <laughs> like I like I sat on the Vita, didn't buy it. I was like, I can do without this system. I can do without this system. And then that got announced. And like yeah. that beautiful, that beautiful. Um, I don't know what you guys got in your region, but he, in the U.S., uh, XE did one of their like beautiful boxes. Oh, nice! And it, and it came with like a compass and a four-disc History of East remix album. Oh wow! Um, of just music from the entirety of the series. Like so, like I had to have that, obviously. So like, that was like the game yeah. that like cat was the catalyst for me buying a Vita, and I, and, and I never got around to playing it because I didn't want to play it until I finished um, seven. Yeah, and I, and I never finished. Seven. <laughs> so, so yeah, it, it goes deep. So Soul Setter basically takes everything that Seven was trying to do and then does it better. So like it does all the all the sort of different attack types and the party based combat and that sort of thing. And it just, I mean, Seven was really good. I really enjoyed Seven, even though it was a sort of a big shake up from the previous entries in the series. But me uh, too. Yeah, Soul Setter just took everything in that and just dialed it right up to eleven. It was a fantastic game, brilliant soundtrack, cool story, um, and uh, Kana's lovely as well. <laughs> which is the the which is the lady I'd be all about, like the evil lady, probably. <laughs> I, I I believe I've shown you art of Kana before. She's the sort of uh, the the sort of tribal lady in the um, sort of asymmetrical outfit and so on. She's pretty cool. Oh yeah, um, yeah, I like that. I'm sure that's cool. Yeah, there's there's several uh, several lovely ladies in that one, so I'm I'm sure you'll find a favorite. East is usually good like that. Yeah, definitely. All right, what's next? Uh, uh, that new RPG that's coming out from, um, Nippon Ichi is looking really cool. Um, Lapisly Abyss in Japan, or I think the Western version is going to be called Lapis Cross Labyrinth. Yes. Um, it's kind of, looks to be a side-scrolling RPG, and the mm-hmm. main mechanic is that you have a party of multiple characters, three characters, and you kind of stack them on top of each other like a totem pole. Yeah. And they're just kind of like cute, chibi little blobs. It's almost like those like Tsum Tsum, like stuffed animal things that people are all about these days. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's just like, you know, we don't have too many details, just some initial gameplay footage, but it's pure Nipponichi all the way. Just like massive numbers that don't make any sense flying everywhere. Yep. Like, so I'm so down for this. Like the art style is really cool and colorful and... It's just some lighthearted insanity. Yeah, definitely. They've got some good stuff on the way because um, they've they've got some stuff coming west fairly imminently as well, haven't they? Is it um, Labyrinth of Refrains out soon, isn't it? Yes, that looks very good. Yeah, that's got it. That's got a really lovely, distinctive art style. It's quite. It, it, I think it's the same artist as Disgaea, or or certainly someone who has drawn heavy inspiration from that. It's it's got that nipponichi look definitely yeah oh yeah yeah what's interesting to me about um labyrinth of refrain is it basically appears to be a lot of the philosophies of disgaea but applied to a traditional dungeon crawler Mm. so like the whole thing is that you make your own puppets and like those are your minions that, that forms your party members so i think that's just kind of like blown out to the degree that like the character creation disgaea is like I think there's like a reincarnation mechanics and like the, oh. the, the the amount to which you can customize them and like make as many puppets as you want. Like that mm-hmm. that's like that's like the huge core of the game from what I understand. So it looks looks quite good. Yeah. But yeah, they, they've got that. that they've got that like princess maker or whatever action RPG coming out real soon. Yes, that's right. That looks really cool as well. Um, 
Yeah, they, they've really they've really been on it lately. I, like I can't even keep up with how much cool stuff they've been. You know, <laughs> I really wanted to get that uh, that Fallen Legion they released a couple months ago. Oh yes, yes. Um, that's actually a Western game, but it looks so good. And uh, that Penny Punching Princess looked really mm-hmm. really fun. Yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah. They they've really been on it, and especially with the Switch, it's like crazy how how much with the Switch they've been hitting it out of the park. But yeah, that, definitely. The, the same can be said of everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, it's all the people who are big into Vita side of things are, are jumping ship to Switch now, aren't they? With the uh, sort of a, announcement of uh, Sony ending support for it and that kind of thing. So sure. Yeah, as we've said a couple of times before, uh, if you are a Vita fan and you don't have a Switch yet, then uh, well, get one. <laughs> yeah, like what are you waiting for? Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, I'll bring one thing up. Uh, there, there is a Streets of Rage four on the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. We don't, don't know a huge amount about it yet. Uh, it is developed by um, LizardCube.mu and Guard Crush. Uh, you know more about these guys than me, I think, don't you? Uh, they, they were something to do with the the new Wonder Boy, weren't they? Right. Yeah. So um, Lizard Cube is the developer behind um, not the Wonder Boy that's coming out soon. Um, but the remake of Wonder Boy and the Dragon's Trap that came yeah. out last year to like much acclaim, um, that game is incredible. So, um, .emu has some kind of a spotty track record. They're not particularly well regarded in like the emulation community. Um, quite a bit of their Neo Geo ports have been kind of not great. Yes, um, I would agree in, with that. in terms of frame rate and stuff. So, um, you know, a lot of people are a bit concerned that this is being spearheaded by them. But um, as soon as everyone saw that Lizard Cube was also involved, everyone kind of tension down a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, the best we can do is wait and hope for the best. But this thing has a, a, a pretty much a clean split 50-50 chance of being either unbelievable or garbage. It's like it's gonna go, <laughs> it's gonna go like extreme one way or the other. Um, and we need the most important piece of news, obviously, is Yuzo Koshiro coming back for soundtrack because yes. Streets of Rage without Yuzo Koshiro is just Final Fight. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, yes. I, I, I mean, it looks quite interesting. I wasn't sold on the art style to begin with, but it's definitely grown on me. It's got a sort of uh, Western graphic novel kind of look to it, hasn't it, really? Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of working on the assumption that it's uh, like a long time after Streets of Rage 4. So, um, well, I mean, to be honest, Blaze looks pretty similar to how she's always done. I was going to say, Blaze is um, back. It's all that matters. <laughs> exactly, and who, who cares about the guys? But, uh, yeah, Axel's got a beard now. Which is, oh, that's uh, important. Yeah, I mean, he looks slightly, slightly homeless, but, uh, you know. He might he's, be. He might be, you never know. We don't know what all the plot twists in there. But, uh, yeah, that's, there's not a lot of information on this yet, but there is uh, a cool trailer that gives you an idea of what the art style's like and uh, a bit of how the, the gameplay looks as well. So that's going to be one to keep an eye on. I like the art style because, um, you know, part part of what Lizard Cube does is they they aren't about super about the traditional art styles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like the Wonder Boy remake had such a distinct look. Yeah. It wasn't pure anime. Like, it it wasn't what you would expect. Mm-hmm. It, it, it had a very unique visual profile, and that's part of the reason, I think, why it resonated so strongly with people. 
Yeah, definitely. This, uh, this has definitely got a distinctive art style as well. Like, like I say, I wasn't sure about it to begin with, but uh, it has grown on me quite a bit the more I've uh, looked at the art and, and the trailer and so on. So yeah, definitely one to keep an eye on. Okay. Um, all right. Carrying on. Um, I, we, I mean, we've talked a, a little bit about Langrisser 1 and 2 for PS4 and Switch over the course of the last couple of episodes, but the latest news on that, which is a couple of weeks old at this point, is that um, the people who were sad that uh, Satoshi Urishihara wasn't doing the artwork for it can be somewhat placated by the fact that there will be some DLC that allows you to add his artwork back into the game as a classic mode. Mm-hmm. It's cool. And he actually did... He did art for the new character. Oh, like, okay. So th- th- there's a new girl they introduced for the new game and, and like are wedging her into the story somehow yeah and then and then Urishihara actually did character art for the new girl so that it could be copacetic and she could have portraiture in the in the remix mode as well as all the classic characters yeah so it'll be seamless which i thought was really cool that he did that yeah yeah that's neat he's um he's doing the artwork for the limited edition of the game as well so uh, the, the Japanese one anyway I don't know if we'll get that over here but uh, I imagine we'll get something uh, involving that uh, assuming it comes over has it been announced for the West yet? I don't think it has has it? I don't think so but in this day and age I'd be more surprised if it didn't exactly at this point I mean most of the uh, reasonably large scale Japanese stuff and uh, I mean Langris is a big deal in Japan so I would be, yeah I would be very yeah. surprised if this doesn't uh, show up over here I mean between Marvelous NIS Rising Star Axis like all those people like someone's going to pick it up yeah absolutely so in the meantime the Japanese version is due out in February of next year so um, hopefully it won't be too long after that that we'll, uh, we'll well we'll hopefully know something before then but we shall see all right, what else would you like to talk about? Uh, just a little thing. I always have lots of little things. Um, Marble Blast was a game that I loved on the Xbox 360. When it mm-hmm. kind of was in its early days, it was one of the first kind of Xbox Live Arcade games that my buddies and I were like all about. Yeah. Um, and we're getting a spiritual successor, uh, Marble It Up. <laughs> um, Marble Blast is just a lot of fun. It's a physics based kind of extension of marble madness basically back in the mm-hmm. day yeah um you just have crazy ramps and maps to navigate you have a certain amount of time you have power-ups like a i don't know like speed boosts or a limited number of jumps and it's just on you to navigate these mazes in a timely fashion um and then of course develop like your own shortcuts and mm-hmm. learning what ramps you can jump over instead of having to use and how can I shave a minute and a half off of a run that just took me a minute and 40 you know a minute 45 <laughs> yeah and it's just a lot of fun to play so I'm really excited to see that we're getting a successor to that um, coming to the switch so it's going to be a lot of fun in handheld mode it's a great game to play in short snippets right mm-hmm. you can just do yeah. a couple mazes um Apparently, even handheld mode is going to be running at a pretty good clip. Oh, that's good. Do- yeah. Both docked and handheld are supposedly going to be running at 60 frames a second, which cool. is really good for a game like this because uh, precision is so key when yeah, you're definitely. doing those like shortcut jumps and stuff. Definitely, yeah. So yeah, marble it up. Really, really yeah. want to play it. 
Yeah, that's good. I, I, I like games like this because they're, they're the kind of game that you think, oh, I'll just have a, a little go on this and then you get onto a level that you just need to keep playing over and over and over and over again and to get the best time. And you look up at the clock and like three hours have passed and you're like, oh, what am I, what am I doing? <laughs> this was a really good game for me socially. Yeah. Like I would get a lot of buddies together and, and, and have a few beers and we would just take turns you know, like yeah. trying to beat each other's times. Yeah. It was just a lot of fun. Yeah, sounds good. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, there's apparently a VR version of Everybody's Golf coming next year, uh, which is interesting. Um, not a lot of details yet, but apparently it'll be PlayStation Move compatible. So presumably there will be some sort of um, uh, sort of motion control swinging in that as well. So um, exactly how they'll implement it remains to be seen but uh yeah it'll be it'll be cool to see a a vr golf game and the everybody's golf game that came out a little while back was really good as well so if they sort of build on the uh the stuff that was in that that'll be uh, a really cool game for psvr yeah i Not- lost touch with this series a long time ago but I- mm. i'm always happy to see that it persists yes yeah, there's, there's a place for these fun slightly more arcadey golf games yeah I, I mean, I didn't play many of them back when they were the first when they were first big on the PS One and PS Two. But I did play uh, Mario Golf on the N sixty four, which had a lot of the same people involved. Oh, okay. Uh, um, so yeah, I've always enjoyed sort of arcadey golf games. Um, there was Tee Off on the Dreamcast as well. That was a completely different team, but it was it was very much the same kind of philosophy. So it was a golf game designed to look and feel like an arcade game. So it had music that sounded like it was uh, rejected tracks from Sonic Adventure. It had big numbers <laughs> on the screen. Yeah, it was it was uh, one of my favourite golf games. That one actually, I really need to reacquire a copy of that at some point. But yeah, the uh, the PS4 Everybody's Golf was cool. So if they if they do something similar with uh, Everybody's Golf VR, that will be very cool. Um, so that's due next year. Not a lot more to say on that in the minute. How integral to how integral is the online component for the Everybody's Golf that was on the PS4? Because I remember seeing that that was like really kind of like an always on kind of thing. Is there any single player value to that? Oh like yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There is there is a full single player campaign. You don't have to touch the online at all if you don't want to. The the online stuff is completely separate. Um, so ba- basically, what happens is you start the game and you're in like a little uh, hub world, uh, which is sort of your golf island, and you can wander around, you can talk to people, you can race golf carts and stuff like that. And then there's um, a guy sitting at a desk who recruits you for single player tournaments, and you can progress through those and that unlocks characters and costume parts and such like and then there's a completely separate door that takes you to the online mode and there's a couple of different modes you can play in there and when you're playing the online mode uh the it it loads the entire golf course at once so that you can you can run around it you can watch people playing you can you can get in their way um you can sort of challenge people and that sort of thing but yeah it's it's not required at all to play um it, it, it's an interesting component to it, but the single-player progression is completely separate. Okay. Because you know how it is these days when they advertise something like that. It was all the online. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, all the trailers and everything just focused solely on the online components. Uh, you know, it was like there would be like a bullet point on the very bottom that was like, also single-player mode. So <laughs> I, had, I had no idea the extent to which I would be able to get some enjoyment out of it if I decided to pick it up. Yeah. Well, I've barely touched the online, and I've had a lot of fun with it, so all good. 
I should look into getting a copy of that because I really do enjoy, you know, arcadey golf stuff. Yeah, you can probably get it pretty cheap now as well. So it's it's one of those games that there there tends to be so many uh, copies floating around at a time that you can normally pick it up for not very much. All right, uh, moving on. The uh, Yakuza creator Toshihiro Nagoshi uh, appeared at TGS and revealed a brand new game uh, called Judge Eyes, which is... um, kind of uh, a Yakuza spin-off in some ways so it's made by the same studio and so on but it's it's a mystery detective game that he's apparently wanted to make for quite some time now uh, and this is looking very cool have you you seen much about this yeah it's really interesting and it really is a Yakuza spin-off because it takes place in Kamurocho yes. like it, it takes place within the Yakuza universe like while other things are going on <laughs> yeah so that's cool also Note that TGS hasn't happened yet. <laughs> this is yeah. all this is all TGS pre-show. So. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> so we still still have TGS coming Thursday, but uh, yeah, this looks really interesting because um, you know, one of the first things that came to mind when I was reading about it and watching some of the trailers was some of our prior discussions about like how much you specifically loved stuff like Ace Attorney. Yeah, like it's going to be very interesting to see how the detective and mystery elements will tie into the gameplay yeah. of, of this because it's an action. It has action and combat elements, which is what the um, Ryuga Gotoko studio does well. Yeah. Um, and now it's being melded with, I don't know if it's going to be kind of visual novel It almost r- reminds me of um, Rockstar's L.A. Noir in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. There's that strong character mapping. A lot of the characters are drawn from real people. Mm-hmm. Um, the main guy... Now, I'm not really well-versed in this, but the main character is face map, face, facial mapped off of um, a very popular musician, I believe, mm-hmm. in Japan, so... I don't know if there's going to be, like, interrogation scenes and all that with dialogue branches. and Yeah. It, it's not... This kind of game isn't really in my wheelhouse, but mm-hmm. because the team behind it is, you know, so pedigreed, I'd still be willing to check it out. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm very much up for this because there's been a, a bit of a lack of decent detective games recently so like i mean things like um sort of the superhero games that we've had from the triple a space they they have sort of supposedly had detective components in there but all they tend to amount to is either putting on some sort of supervision or running to a waypoint and like the yeah. what w- w- one of the best detective games we've had in, in relatively recent memory is uh, as you say la noir that did it really well so in that you had actually had to examine evidence you had to sort of look at it from different angles you had to open things up and manipulate objects and that sort of thing um the weakness of that game was the interrogation component just because the dialogue options in that were so vague it was quite difficult to um know what your what the protagonist was going to say when you when you press one of the options so um so if if they can sort of build on that idea, uh, which which I have great faith that the uh, Ryuga Gotoku uh, studio can can do, but just purely based on their work on Yakuza, um, yeah, this is going to be something really special. I think if they uh, if they pull it off, which I'm sure they will. Yeah. All right, uh, along the same lines, another uh, TGS pre-announcement. Um, 
We've got a, a new studio has formed called uh, Two Cure Games, led by the creators of Danganronpa and Zero Escape, which is basically a dream team for anyone who enjoys uh, puzzle-heavy visual novels and such like. So, um, Danganronpa is um, kind of hard to describe, actually, if you haven't played it. It's, uh, it's basically sort of a, an adventure game with... Um, kind of Ace Attorney type components but it also has these weird arcade sequences where you're um, sort of shooting out bits of evidence and stuff like that so sort of um, you see representations of people's thoughts floating around their head and you have to sort of shoot out the right ones and that kind of thing with your truth bullets so it's all very <laughs> it's all very sort of metaphorical and that sort of thing but it's really cool and it's got one of the one of the coolest art styles out there I was gonna say I I, I've never played these games. I know people are all about them, but yeah. I all I know is I freaking love the art. Yeah. Like the the character art is so cool and is so yeah. distinctive. Yeah, Dango Romper is noteworthy uh, in that it's it's one of the few sort of relatively mid tier Japanese franchises that even people who generally dismiss and poo poo Japanese games are into. So like yeah, you, like everyone is about these games. It's yeah. crazy. So, so if you look at even sort of uh, the most commercial mainstream press site, who is typically keen on shitting all over Japanese games, they they still love Danganronpa, and I think that is testament to how good it is. So, it's it's definitely worth a look if you haven't explored it at all. Um, and in the meantime, Zero Escape, um, that's nine 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 Virtue's Last Reward, and the one I can never remember the name of the third one, Zero Time Dilemma. That's it. Um, those are excellent uh, sort of fusions of visual novel and room escape games uh, which have been very well received over time um, creator Kotaro Uchikoshi is uh, sort of a very good storyteller he's good at writing mysterious interesting stories with lots of twists and so on um, he's also just released um, Punchline as well for ps4 and vita that's just come out from pcube i haven't tried that one yet that's him being a bit more light-hearted and silly but i'm thoroughly expecting there to be some dark shit in there as well yeah, isn't, isn't, isn't that the one where like if like the protagonist like sees panties he will die or something like something like that it's got some like crazy premise yes going yes on. Uh, the the protagonist is a ghost and if he sees panties twice he will blow up the entire world okay so we <laughs> die he doesn't die we die he's yeah. already dead yeah, yeah. So um, I, I actually have that. I, I haven't looked into it yet, but uh, that's one I'd like to cover in some detail at some point on Moe Gamer because it sounds really interesting. Um, yeah, so there's there's uh, some strong pedigree in here. So uh, we've got um, Kodaka from the, the Danganronpa series as director and scenario writer. Uh, the composer is Masumi Takada, who's worked on Danganronpa, 100 Sleeping Princes, and Kingdom of Dreams. Haven't heard of that last one. Um, Illustrating character designer is the guy who worked on Danganronpa, and he's also contributed to Fate Grand Order as well, so he's got some uh, strong strong work behind him there. Uh, another scenario writer and director is Takumi Nakazawa, who worked on Ever 17 and Root Double, both of which are uh, cool visual novels of the, the sort that Uchikashi is known for. Um, and then we've got uh, Ryoichiro Koizumi, who's worked on Break Kunkore and Ultra Despair Hagakure. Not heard of those ones, but... Um, yeah, presumably another good piece of talent. Um, and the 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 studio is working on several projects at the minute. So their first one is a game uh, where Kodaka and Uchikachi are working together. 
Um, the concept of it is limit and despair, which is uh, <laughs> pretty much sums up exactly what Danganronpa and Zero Escape are about. I was going to so. say, that sounds like the other <laughs> games. <laughs> yeah, so um, it, this, this first project is apparently going to be where the majority of their efforts are going to be going for. Um, they haven't revealed any sort of details about it yet, but it's a cool piece of concept art that looks uh, very, very Danganronpa-ish. Uh, Project 2 is an anime uh, where the basic concept of it is everyone is a villain um, and the idea is to uh, kind of capture the feeling of action films from the 1990s like Pulp Fiction and The Professional so that has potential to be very cool uh, and Project number 3 is another game described as a children's death game by children for children <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> So the, the concept art uh, apparently represents school children playing a death game. It is very shocking, according to uh, according to the team. So I feel like it's not that shocking. I feel like <laughs> I feel like no less than fifty percent of all visual novels are about school children murdering each other. Yeah, like there's a lot of that going on. <laughs> uh, yeah, especially from these guys. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, uh, their fourth project is a dark fantasy game that they'll be working with Spike Chunsoft, uh, which obviously both uh, Uchikoshi and uh, Takada have, uh, have worked on in the past as well. Okay, so now we got something I might bite on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so this is looking like uh, some sort of uh, vaguely cyberpunkish thing because this it, it sort of looks like a more modern day setting. They describe it as dark fantasy, but this this it looks a bit more sort of sci-fi-ish kind of. Um, Kind of latter-day Final Fantasy in some ways, so okay, yeah, that should be interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's that's all the details on those for the minute. But yeah, that's definitely going to be a studio to watch because um, uh, yeah, I mean, the, just the sheer amount of talent in there. Amazing stuff. Right. Uh, other pre-TGS stuff. Um, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles is coming to PS4 and Switch. Did you play this back in the day? Uh, a little bit, yeah. On back on the GameCube, mm -hmm. I have I have fond memories of gathering around the GameCube with three of my buddies, all with our Game Boy Advances. Yes, <laughs> plugged in with yeah. those special cables. I'll be really interesting, you know, to see how how much I w I do or don't miss the little added features of having mm. that little Game Boy Advance uh, yeah. for the controller. Um, I I don't love this game. <laughs> <laughs> um. And for someone like me who, in the stage of life I'm in now, doesn't play a lot of multiplayer, my, my interest in it is kind of null and void, because single-player Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles is miserable. Yes. Like, this is this is a multiplayer game. Like, yeah, no, two, no two ways around it. Honestly, two-player Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles is miserable. You kind of need four people yes, to really play it properly. That's true, because otherwise someone ends up being bucket bitch for the whole time, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I played this back in the day. I think I managed to get four people together for it once. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But we, we had a good time. Um, we had a good time. So I, I'd be interested to, to play this online with a few people, definitely. Um, but it's it's one of those games that you, you kind of need a group. You can you can kind of commit to it for a little while, I think, if you're going to get something out of it. Well, sure. I mean, it's an RPG, right? So it's yeah. not just, like, fire it up for a couple rounds. It's yeah. You're playing through an adventure. Yeah, so so it'll be interesting to see uh, how how people latch onto that. I know a lot of people have seemingly been very excited about it on uh, social media and such like, which is yeah, quite good yeah. to see. So that that suggests that it, it might do quite well, at least for 
um, a little period after its release as well, as long as as long as the people who have said they're excited about it actually end up picking it up. So. It's been uh, very curious to me how many people seem excited about it because I remember this game getting shit on thoroughly. Yes. Like, I remember people hating this game and I remember defending it even though I didn't really like it. Yeah. Like, because uh, it's... I believe the the guy behind the Saga series had a lot to do with it. Yes. Uh, his name escapes me right now, but his thing has always been, like, mechanical innovation. Like, mm-hmm. his games are his games are always super outside of the box. Mm-hmm. So I just remember everyone I knew hating this game. <laughs> like, I had to fight with people to get people yeah. to try it out with me, because it has Final Fantasy on it, but it doesn't play like Final Fantasy. Like, you know, you know yeah. that, whole, that whole thing, so... Yeah. I mean, it's great. It's great that people are excited, but I was honestly surprised to even see it because I, yeah, in my yeah, in my mind, I don't remember it having the kind of nostalgic, well thought of reputation that people even would want a remaster of it. Oh no, so. yeah, yeah, exactly the same. Which the Crystal Chronicle series in general is kind of a strange one because it's it's one that every installment in it was received with fairly mediocre critical reception. But um, looking back on it more recently a lot of people seem to really love those games not just this first one but the the two that came out on the wii as well i was just gonna say that well the download ones on the wii i didn't play like the adventure action rpg one on the wii mm-hmm. but i but my life as a king and my life as a dark lord yeah those are both great games they're um, amazing yeah so there's those two there's the one that came out on ds and wii and the the wii version is a really weird port of the ds version that still uses two screens um, oh, that's crazy! Uh, and then there's the there's the Wii exclusive one as well, um, Echoes of Time, I think that one is, um, or is it Crystal Bearers? Echoes of Time is the DS one, I think. Um, yeah, yeah I, there's there's two on the DS too, I think, right? I, I forget. It's it's a complicated spin-off series that uh, I I haven't explored in great detail yet, but I know that people like it a lot more today than they used to. Yeah, uh, for, for various reasons, just because I think. The attitude you described that, oh, it says Final Fantasy, but it's not Final Fantasy. People are a bit more receptive to that now because people, despite the fact that Final Fantasy has, as I've written on my Gamer several times, reinvented itself fairly significantly with every mainline installment, sure. pe- people still assume that Final Fantasy is stagnant and hasn't done very much with itself. So people are a lot more receptive to those games that say Final Fantasy but have something different about them um, these days. So stuff like... Um, Chocobo's Dungeon on the Wii as as well has uh, is uh, got a lot of fans now. That's um, like my favorite Wii game. Like, <laughs> I'm, I was super happy to see the remake getting getting announced for the yeah, Switch. Definitely. Which um, I mean, I mean, let's talk about that a bit now because uh, yeah, Square has uh, very much returned to Nintendo because uh, and this is this is a really interesting example of coming full circle because um, Final Fantasy VII very prominently abandoned Nintendo because of their uh, choice to go with cartridges and so on. A lot yep. of people have been sharing those old adverts um, from magazines at the time that is basically Square Enix bragging. It's like, ooh, you can't do this with a cartridge. Um, but now, see, yeah, seeing seeing Final Fantasy VII coming back to uh, Nintendo, possibly on a cartridge, although possibly download only. We, we don't I, know yet. I was going to say, I'm not even getting my hopes up that any of these are going to get physical releases. Yeah, I know. What it, um, what it should be is one cart, like Final Fantasy Remaster Collection with like the 9 and 7 on that'd be, one, that'd, yeah, one that'd cart. Be great. Also, they, f- also, they should do 8. I like 8. I don't care what other people say. I like Final Fantasy 8. 
I like eight okay. <laughs> it's not it's not my favorite. <laughs> I, uh, no, I, I have fond memories of eight because it, it, it's one of those games. You, you know, when you play a game and it's just the the right time to play something or experience a story. Yeah, um, yeah. Eight eight came along at exactly the right time for me to enjoy it. Um, and yeah, it, it just really resonated with me. Uh, even though some of the some of the gameplay and progression aspects of it were very clearly stupid at the time, I, I've yeah. still yeah I've still got very fond memories of it, and it's a bit of a shame to see it kind of cast into the memory hole at this point. But uh, yeah, I've got I, my problems with eight, but you know, selfie came along just at the right time for me to enjoy selfies, so I'm <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm 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 okay with eight. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, what were the complete range of them? So, uh, coming to Switch, we have got Final Fantasy XV Pocket Edition, which is already out at the time we're uh, recording this. Uh, World of Final Fantasy Maxima is coming out in November, uh, which I'm quite happy about because I, I haven't actually picked up this game for any systems yet, so now I'll just grab the Switch version. Dude, it's so World of Final Fantasy is so good. Yeah. Like, I actually played through and beat on the Vita, like, uh, which is like shocking, I know. Yeah, I, don't I know. Beat, I don't play through and beat anything, but like, that game is great. <laughs> yes, def definitely up for that then. Um, and yeah, having it on the go will be even better. Uh, so we got Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon, uh, Everybody, which I believe is a sort of enhanced remake rather than a brand new game, from what I can make out. Yes. yes. Um, so they've added things like a co-op two-player mode to it. Um, and more monsters you can recruit and such like as well. But uh, yeah, otherwise it's it's, it's basically a, a, a remake of the Wii version, which is no bad thing because, as you say, it is one of the best games on the Wii. It's a fantastic yeah. mystery dungeon roguelike type game. My hope is that they're testing the waters with this and maybe we'll get a new entry because yeah. these games are great. Yeah, and I mean, mystery dungeon games are still popular. They're still selling. There's still people making them. So yeah, definitely up for, for more of that. Uh, Crystal Chronicles is due out in 2019, uh, as are uh, remasters of 7, 9, 10 and 10 to HD remaster, and Final Fantasy XII. Mm -hmm. oh, Final Fantasy XII yeah. on a handheld, it's happening! Yeah, yeah I, can't wait to, <laughs> I can't wait to buy it again and start it again. Yep. <laughs> like, it's... Uh, I, I made myself a promise that I was going to stop rebuying every Switch port of stuff I already bought on the PS4. Like, I managed to resist with Ease 8. Like, I'm doing my... I managed to resist with Wonder Boy and the Dragon's Trap, but I don't think I can resist with FF12. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I... like, to carry Fran with me anywhere I go. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll do wonders for my life. Yeah, that, that is the one game I would love to have on handheld, just because it's so sprawling, it's so massive, it's so it's perfect for handheld play, just because you can go and grind a bit, or you can unlock some abilities, or you can do some dungeons, or find some treasure, or whatever. I know that describes most of the Final Fantasy series, but 12 just seems perfectly suited to handheld play. So, I mean, people people have been crying out for a Vita version for ages, but uh, now you get the Switch version. So, as we said, if you are a Vita fan and you've wanted games on Vita, then just go and buy a Switch and stop complaining. I get, I get, I get like wistful and like choky up just thinking about 12. It's my favorite Final Fantasy, so I get really excited. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite games, one of my top 10 favorite games of all time. Yeah, just thinking about the narration and everything gets me all a Twitter. 
yeah it is fantastic and yeah i will definitely buy that again when uh, when it comes out i think i think of all the ones they've announced there that's probably the one that's most likely to actually have a physical release um just yeah just, just purely because the the ps4 version got one um i'd say the 10 and 10 2 has a 50 50 shot as yeah. well yeah, that's, that's possible, definitely. Um, I, I can probably take or leave 7, 9, and 10 and 10 too, just because I already have uh, versions of those that I'm quite happy to play at home. But like, like I say, 12 on the go is something that I've fantasized about for a long time. So, yeah, very much up for that. I'd love the ni- I'd love to get the 9, um, but I'd really only buy the 7 and 9 if they got physical releases. Yeah, yeah. So. Like, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't buy them digital because... Honestly, you know, as we talked about, I, I emulate pretty unapologetically, uh-huh. and um, I have my original PS One copies of Seven, Eight, Nine. I have yeah, them all. Game. I have them all backed up on my computer, yeah. and I, I play them on HD in my on my computer quite nicely. So yeah. I would love to have them handheld, but only if I'm going to be able to buy a nice kind of set to put on my shelf. Yeah, I actually have all of the Final Fantasies digitally on vita as well all the ones that are available anyway oh apart, yeah apart, apart yeah. from 10 and 10 too so uh, i've got i've got one to nine uh all on vita so i mean i can play those handheld already so t- 12 will be a new one though definitely um yeah so that's very exciting uh what else would you like to talk about uh ninja warriors again oh yes switch yes um couple couple episodes ago many moons ago i got excited about the switch ports of the darius series that were coming out and i mm-hmm. specifically segued into talking about how much i wanted a ninja warriors again enhanced port in the same vein as the one we got for wild guns mm. and i'm pleased to say that that is in fact happening yes ninja warriors again for the switch officially ninja warriors once again it's going to add new playable characters in the same way that the wild guns remaster added new playable characters essentially making it a new game um just looking at the screenshots like some of the bosses have have been redone with new sprites it's very clear um i love this game so much it's one of my favorite super nintendo games so yeah, buy, I, buy it when it comes out. Yeah. I, I hadn't encountered it before you you brought it up last time, but when capturing the footage for the video version of the episode, uh, yeah, I understood exactly what you were talking about. <laughs> there is Just, nothing like Ninja Warriors again. Yeah, it is so wholly unique. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that getting the Wild Guns treatment will be fantastic as well because Wild Guns is a, was a a great version that it kept the spirit of the original. SNES version, but added a bunch of new features that just fit right in there. It felt like they'd always been in there, uh, to to such a degree that when I did capture footage from the SNES version of Wild Guns, it felt really weird that the other two characters weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's an example of how to do it right. Yeah, definitely. So very much up for that. Uh, what else have we got? Um, new Samurai Showdown. Yes, you you are better equipped to talk about this than me. So tell me why it, this is exciting. Well, it's not uh, Samurai Showdown isn't a series I'm super familiar with, but just as a Neo Geo guy, obviously I love it to the degree that I'm expected to love it. Um, you know, SNK has just been hitting it out of the park lately. 
this new resurgent SNK is is wonderful. And so now we have a new Samurai Showdown slash Samurai Spirits, whatever whatever your title of choice for this series is, coming. We don't have too much gameplay footage, but the tra initial kind of teaser that was released shows it to have kind of a painterly graphic novel inspired style, mm, yeah. similar to what Capcom did with Street Fighter Four years ago. Yeah, it kind of has the ukiyo ink art splashes going out of the characters and stuff, which is very suited to this Samurai Showdown aesthetic yeah, and story much. and stuff. Um, so, I, I thought King of Fighters 14 was great. I know you're really enjoying um, Heroines, SNK Heroines. Yes, we'll talk a bit clash. about that in the next segment, definitely. Um, so, great. More classic fighter revivals from SNK. Like, bring it. Can't yeah. wait. Yeah, absolutely. Same. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, we have the last remnant is getting remastered. So we we conjectured this when the steam when the steam version got removed uh, a few weeks back, uh, but mm -hmm. it seems it is actually happening. So there is a PS4 version launching uh, in December. Yeah, uh, very soon. Surprisingly soon. Yeah, the the <clears throat> the reason some people are a little bit skeptical about this is uh, a lot is I've heard people saying that they reckon the PS4 version is just going to be the PC version. Um, and that is why they pulled the PC version from sale, because they want to make more sales of the PS4 version. Um, whether or not that's it's true, I don't know, but uh, it is plausible. But, um, as, uh, uh, yeah, it is coming to PS4, which is, which is a, a new audience for this game, which is good. Um, but, I mean, you could get the PC version for quite cheap uh, a while back. Is uh, the PC version done in Unreal Engine 4? Because part of the part of the reason this new one's coming out is because they redid it in Unreal Engine 4. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that. Yeah. No, right. no. The original, the, the original one was just on the... I mean, the original one was built on Unreal Engine, but it was the older version. Yeah, oh, that, that is yeah. interesting, then. So, yeah, that is a proper remaster, then. So, forget everything yeah. I just said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, it is... They haven't. They haven't said there's going to be any new content or anything. Yeah, like it just is a straight up remaster um, of the original. But they, uh, from what I understand, have run it through the newest version of Unreal, so it's been upgraded considerably. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Well. Um, yeah, I'm just reporting on the conspiracy theories I heard around the internet then. But uh, <laughs> it, it, it seems those are, those are unfounded. Um, it, it has only been announced for PS4 at the moment, so there has been no announcement of, of a PC version of that. But to be honest, with, Square, with the way Square Enix work these days, I, I will be surprised if it doesn't, at the very least, get a PC port and possibly a Switch version as well. So yeah, we As see. we will discuss later today... Um, I'm going to be holding out because I want a physical version, goddammit. Yeah. Um, so, if I could get it on physical for Switch, yes, please. Yeah. Just saying, just saying. Yeah, I, I believe this is planned for digital only at the moment, but I know a lot of people have been making their voices heard to Square Enix recently about the fact that, yes, they would quite like a physical version of this, please. Thank you very much. Listen, if, if Lost Sphere got a pre-order only physical edition, yeah. there's no reason this can't get a... Like, I'll, you know, like, just put it up on their store. Like, pre-order only. P open it up. Put it on their store. It doesn't have to be a huge print run. But, like, yeah. collectors will want this. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, talking of remasters, or possible remasters, uh, Resonance of Fate has been rated for PS4 and PC by USK, which is the German ratings board. Uh, and this also coincides with some news that Triace has apparently got something to announce at TGS. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it is entirely possible that we will either get a new Resonance of Fate game or possibly, probably more likely, a remaster of Resonance of Fate. Mm. Yeah, I love Tri-Ace. Um, I know a lot of people are wishy-washy about them, but they're a very experimental RPG house, and I love them for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I assume the quote-unquote new Tri-Ace game we're going to hear about is just going to be this Resonance of Fate remaster. I would have thought but, so, yeah. But, you know, there's always going to be, like, the little boy deep inside of me that's like, is it a new Valkyrie profile? Is it, a new, <laughs> is it a new Star Ocean? Is it something set in the Radiant Historia universe? Like, they have so many cool worlds. Yeah. So I really enjoy their output. Trios well, stuff, again, is another one that seems to have had sort of mediocre reception when it first came out, but people have been a lot more receptive to more recently. I've seen a lot of people very up for a re- just a remaster of Resonance of Fate. It's very good. Hmm. It's very, very good. It has perhaps one of the most unique combat engines I've ever <laughs> experienced in an RPG. I, I saw a great GIF on Twitter the other day that was um, that was someone's reaction to uh, the possibility of Resonance of Fate coming back, and it was just a GIF of someone getting out every piece of mathematical equipment you can think of and just laying them out on a table ready for it. <laughs> it's some complicated <laughs> shit, my friend. It is... It is really complicated stuff. I mean, the, the game is is all combat, basically. Yeah. You enter basically missions that are like dungeons are basically just like combat maps. So mm-hmm. each room, each room you go into as you navigate through a dungeon is just a different combat scenario. Yeah. Um, so like, the game is like ninety percent just all focused on this unique combat engine and mm-hmm. I can't even really describe it. It's it's one of those systems that takes hours to figure out. Yeah. Like you will like you spend a lot of time in tutorials when you start Resonance of Fate. But then like <laughs> once it clicks, you're pulling off your like John Woo Matrix slow mo dive like gunplay stuff and it's just there's it's so unique. This game deserves all the attention in the world. Yeah, I'm definitely up for that. It's 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 one that I picked up cheap for Xbox a while back, so it's on my shelf, but I haven't actually tried it yet. But because uh, it's one, I feel like I need to take some time to engage with properly rather than try and play it alongside something else. So uh, yeah, oh yeah, because you can't play anything else alongside it because <laughs> there's not enough there's not enough room in your brain to understand the combat engine and another <laughs> game's combat engine. Like you have to pretty much be dedicated to it. Yeah, I'm up for that definitely. So yeah, we'll hopefully hear more about that at TGS. See what's going on with that. Okay, uh, last thing I wanted to bring up today is um, Capcom is releasing a beat 'em up bundle for Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this looks great. Uh, so this has hold on, I'm just checking. It includes Final Fight, Captain Commando, The King of Dragons, Knights of the Round, and Warriors of Fate along with two games that haven't had console ports before, which are Armored Warriors and Battle Circuit. I'm, I'm, yes. not, I'm not hugely familiar with a lot of these. I mean, I'm obviously familiar with Final Fight, definitely. And Knights of the Round, I think I've played as well. Um, the other ones I'm less familiar with, though. But Capcom beat-em-ups. Yes, please. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I love beat-em-ups. Arcade beat-em-ups. Um, I love all of these games <laughs> a, a lot. Um, King of Dragons is one of my very favorite games, like period. Oh, cool. Um, I like the the arcade directly across the street from the barbershop. I got my hair cut as a kid. Had a King of Dragons cabinet. 
Okay. So it was like the highlight of my life when I was a kid was playing King of Dragons with my dad. Every time, <laughs> every, like every time I got a haircut, was like my dad would take two dollars worth of quarters and we would go play King of Dragons. And like this game has such a strong tie to like just aesthetically everything I find pleasing about games. Yeah. Like I have the Super Nintendo port in box complete. It's like one of my prized possessions. But to be able to play this handheld on the go, HD, on a nice modern television, looking crisp, with all these other treats with it too, fantastic. Um, also, Armored Warriors. I'm super excited about Armored Warriors, which is a spinoff of Cyberbots. Okay. Um, taking the same gorgeous giant robot uh, sprites from Cyberbots and putting them in a belt-scrolling beat-em-up. Mm-hmm. You, you, it's a giant robot belt scrolling beat em up like i don't really have to justify it any further than that do i <laughs> no, do i, I mean, like it sounds absolutely fine to me yeah you like but <laughs> you like fight the other robots and you can like bust their arms off and you like take their arms and like then like attach their arm to you and it's oh it's so cool it's yeah. so cool yeah the only slight bummer about this is this this is looking like being a, another digital only one um Although, if um, if Namco Museum is anything to go by, there may well be a slim chance of it getting a physical release yeah. perhaps alongside something else at some yeah. point in the future. Uh, but in the meantime, it's a, it's a pretty good deal. It's fifteen pounds ninety nine for all of those games, uh, which is a pretty good pretty good value. Uh, it supports online play as well. Although you need um, by the time it comes out, you'll need to actually pay up for the Nintendo online service as well. Um, but yeah, that's out on the 18th of September, which is my mum's birthday. So happy birthday, mum. I'm going to buy some beat-em-ups in your honour. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Hey, if mom can't appreciate Captain Commando. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Um, okay, anything else you'd like to bring up? Yeah, just uh, two more little things I wanted to drop. We have an official release date now for the Tales of Vesperia Definitive Edition. Oh, yes. Which is very exciting. Um uh, that is January 11th in America and Europe territories. It is getting a cool steel case with Rapide. <laughs> like Rapide's face, close up, who's the adorable dog that smokes a pipe that everybody loves. I, I've seen this described as both brilliant and awful. So <laughs> Yeah, that's, that, is cor- that, that is correct. It is both parts brilliant and awful. But uh, I can't wait for this game. Um, I have been belly aching for years that the West never got the expanded PS3 version with the extra characters. Um, this game is fantastic. So uh, January 11th, everybody yeah. get excited. Uh, and I also just wanted to mention, by way of laughing a lot... Um, Fumito Ueda is making a new project. Um, Fumito Ueda of Shadow of Colossus, Ico, and Last Guardian fame. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm 33, so I can't wait to play this game when I'm like 50. Um, <laughs> it is not a sequel. It is not related to Ico, the Ico trilogy. It is a completely yep. new title. So once again, I can't wait to play this on the PlayStation like 7. Um, <laughs> when I have grandchildren, so yeah. So I I have mixed feelings about this because I I didn't love Last Guardian. I mean it was it was impressive, but I didn't love it. Um, I have I, I do like I do like Shadow of the Colossus and, and Ico definitely, but Last Guardian I was a bit a bit lukewarm on. I have to come back to Last Guardian. 
I think I do as well. I think I, th- I think it was a bad time for me to try and play it because it came out alongside other stuff. So yeah. I picked it up and I thought I should try this because everyone's going to be talking about it. And I, I just sort of played it for a couple of hours and I was like, oh, okay, I mean, yeah. it's all right, but. It was yeah, two I, factors I, I, for me, right? It was that. It was like I had other stuff I was playing, but it was also just hype exhaustion. Yeah, So, definitely. like, I, I recognized when I was playing it that I wasn't enjoying it, and I said to myself, am I not enjoying this because what I'm playing isn't good, or am I not enjoying this because it's just not living up to the hype? Yeah. And I couldn't really answer that clearly and intelligently, so I said I would just put it away and come back to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel about it. I'm I'm definitely going to come back to it at some point, but I, I haven't felt the need or the inclination to just yet. But it, it is sitting on my shelf waiting for me to do that. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, we can all agree that this man creates worlds that are beautiful and worth exploring. So, Oh, absolutely. The, the very notion that he's working on a new intellectual property now is, is cool, because I, I can't wait to see what he comes up with next. Yes, and he specifically highlighted the fact as well that he doesn't want to make something that feels like an indie game, so he wants to make something on a similar sort of scale to the Ico trilogy as well. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so expect something similarly spectacular, uh, all being well. But as you say, it will probably be a very long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is okay. Yeah, no. Not, it's, not like it's there's fine. any shortage of things to play. Exactly, exactly. We've got Capcom beat 'em ups to play until then, so you know. Dude, that's the gift that keeps on giving. There's so much, <laughs> there's so many delights, Ugh, so many garbage cans to knock over and find pot roasts inside. Like uh, it's, uh, I love beat 'em ups. Ah, uh, good stuff. All right, are we done here? I think so. I think that's I the think news. We are. All right, yeah. Well, that is a substantial amount of news that we've talked about there. I'm sure there's other things that we've missed, but uh, you know, we've gone on for nearly an hour on all that, so probably good good time to take a break. So we're going to do just that now, and then we will see you in a moment for some talk about what we've been playing recently. So we'll see you in a moment. Welcome back. So, for our usual second segment, we're going to talk about what we've been playing recently. I, I have quite a lot of things I'd like to talk about today. So, Chris, I invite you to go first because I, um, I imagine you've got uh, a few fewer things than I've got on my plate at the minute. So, feel free to. Uh, I did recently get a chance to play the new Spider-Man. Went over, oh, yes. to, my, went over to my friend's house. It's really cool. Yeah, I've heard very good things about it, and it's it struck me as quite interesting that this is, I feel like, the first AAA in quite some time that appears to have completely lived up to its hype. Yeah, it's it's quite amazing, um, and I'm not really a fan of the development studio, so like I had I had had my expectations pretty low going in, so maybe that's why I was so impressed by it. Like I don't yeah. like the infamous games at all, mm-hmm. um, so I, I wasn't expecting this to be great, but. Uh, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, you know, as I as I as I should get T-shirts printed of this once we actually get a following. Like, I can't wait to wait a year and buy the definitive edition. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the fact that it is a HD, completely created New York City, like mm. ma- like block for block that you can explore as Spider-Man. 
Like, I know it's kind of been done before, but not at this level. Like, yeah. it's, re- it's reached the level of impressiveness where I just, like, I can't. It's so cool. Like, I was... It's sort of proper scale now, isn't it? Is that is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like it's New York. The, the last time I experienced um, a game with an open world that had a very convincing layout was uh, Grand Theft Auto Four. Yeah. Which which uh, actually had a very convincing version of New York, just very scaled down. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I played Grand Theft Auto Four, and then uh, I I went to New York for a bit, and I could find my way around because of what i knew of grand theft auto 4 it was just a longer walk <laughs> yeah 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 so yeah that's really cool i'm 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 into that kind of thing um so yeah i'll probably check this out at some point i have no great attachment to either insomniac or spider-man so as you as you say i will probably have a look at it down the line when it's cheaper and or there's a definitive edition available but it's yeah. it's nice to see that something has actually lived up to the hype for once because i i feel like that is happening less and less these days with big budget stuff yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, temper your expectations. The game is exactly what you're expecting it to be. Oh, yeah, I'm like, sure. Like, there's, there's no surprises. It's a Western open-world game. It's You have a mini-map, there's blips on your mini-map. Go here, go there, find this. The combat is exactly what you're expecting. You mash on your combos, you have one button for your web attacks or whatever, and then, like, when your spider sense tingles, that's when everything slows down and you dodge, and if you dodge right, it does the, you know, the time slow down. And, like, it's just Assassin's creed with spider-man but (laughs) but it's so competently executed Mm -hmm. that you just can't help but fall in love with it it's just it's crisp it's beautiful um one of the things that really blew my mind was you know the initial like the very first mission you're like in kingpin's tower like trying to take him down and that's like the catalyst for the whole rest of the story and um there was this part like i didn't play it my friend played it and i just watched but there's this part where you're fighting like kind of in one of the main lobbies of the skyscraper and the whole front of the skyscraper is glass yeah and you see through the glass and you can see the city outside in real time Mm -hmm. through this glass and i'm just thinking back to like you know ps1 and ps2 days and like that glass would have been a texture (laughs) <laughs> right you know what i mean like that glass would yeah. have been there would yeah. have been like art of a cityscape on that glass to create that illusion for you and there would have been like pixel art shininess on the glass to give you the illusion that it was clear but yeah. like this was actually clear glass that i was looking through to the city outside and it's like i try not to be like a graphics and tech guy but like i was freaking losing my mind at how cool yeah. this was there's some really interesting tech in Spider-Man, actually, because uh, I've seen some some people who know what they're talking about sharing some stuff to do with it. Um, there's a really clever technique they've done with like the windows in the city um, when you when you're outside uh, that makes it look like there's stuff inside every window when in fact it's it's just a very clever texturing trick, mm. um, which is sort of one of the big innovations that they've done with the graphics on this. Um, but yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's uh, it's it's always cool when uh, something like that is is incorporated in such a way. I remember, oddly enough, the the earliest experience I had with that kind of thing was actually on a Atari ST sixteen bit game, uh, not to anything of the same degree as uh, as what you're describing in Spider Man. But there was um, there was a series of games in the eighteen sixteen bit era called Mercenary 
Uh, and when it went to the 16-bit era, um, the, the the first installment on 16-bit was called Damocles. And instead of simulating just one city like it did in the original Mercenary, um, it simulated, well, what it described as an entire solar system. In practice, it was lots of lots of little cities on on planets. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things you could do in that is you you could go into a building, you could take the lift up to uh, a higher floor, um, you could look out the window, and you you could see stuff that was going on outside. Um, Obviously, this being a 16-bit polygon game, there wasn't a lot going on outside apart sure. from like, the, the horizon and maybe a line representing the road outside. But you could still see through that window outside and see what was going on, and that was really cool at the time. So just just imagining that taken to the level that we're capable of with graphics now. Yeah, that's that's really neat. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was really impressed with Spider-Man. Really impressed with it. Once again, maybe because I had low expectations, but it, it's really cool. It's really, well, really cool. In in many cases, it's better to go in with low expectations rather than be hyped up, isn't it? I mean, we we talked about the Last Guardian already. Um, yeah, part oh, of yeah. Pro- part of the problem with that was probably going in with too high expectations. Uh, so yeah, if you just go in curious about it, then yeah, that's probably a good way to have a good response to something. Yeah, yeah. Especially, I'm finding it with AAA more and more. Like I had the same, uh, I had the same reaction with Horizon. Mm-hmm. I was like, this this looks cool. I'll give it a try. And then I ended up being blown away by it. So yeah. I like when that happens. Yeah, always good. Yeah, this this is why I, I tend to try and play that sort of stuff when the hype has died down a bit because it just lets you come to it with a bit more of a beginner's mind to it without any preconceptions of what it's all about. Yeah, it's I, important. I, I didn't love Horizon, but I, I, I'm not ruling out returning to it at some point. Um, just, just when people... Well, I mean, people kind of already have stopped talking about it, but uh, at some point when my expectations are a bit more tempered i I will probably return to it because i could see it was competent i just didn't love it Mm -hmm. at the time i tried it so but i'm not complaining too much because i got a free copy of it at the time so because i won it in the competition so i'm not too bitter (laughs) all right um anything else you've had a chance to play with yeah um i recently got um the new monster hunter the new the new old the new old monster hunter um generate yeah generations ultimate on the switch okay which is a switch port of monster hunter uh double cross which Uh didn't didn't come out for the ds in the west the west the west got monster hunter cross on the d on the 3ds which was localizes monster hunter generations but then we didn't get double cross which was um you know for people who aren't a huge uh hugely familiar with monster hunter there's almost always a second version of every monster hunter that adds additional missions and additional difficulty level additional equipment Uh, for guys like me um i just always ignore the first version (laughs) so so i was pretty pissy when we didn't get double cross on the th- on the 3ds in the west so i was very excited when um generations ultimate was announced for the switch because it's the best of all worlds um you know i did not get the wii u version of three ultimate because mm-hmm. i had I, I had already sunk so much time into the 3ds version of three ultimate yeah and i did not want to deal with all that annoying like the transfer processes you had to do to play your file on the tv or the or the 3ds there was like a whole rigmarole you had to go through so i just i just stuck to the 3ds version yeah so i haven't played a monster hunter on a television since the original wii version of three which was 
many years ago at this point, maybe nine mm-hmm. years ago. So it's great to have Monster Hunter on the TV again. Um, you'll notice that I'm pretending that um, World doesn't exist and talking about <laughs> and talking about Monster Hunter on the TV as if World doesn't exist. Um, but yeah, it's more Monster Hunter, but now it's one unified file that I can play handheld or on the television. Um, it is speaking purely in numbers the most content rich monster hunter ever made it's basically um, like a best of monster hunter isn't it is that right yeah mm-hmm, in many ways so it has multiple villages um so like the the conceit that monster hunters built around usually is that there's one maybe two main villages and you're trying to solve problems within that village and like the kind mm-hmm. of story revolves around what's going on in that village and what monsters you have to defeat to make that village's life better and safer um Ultimate Generations Ultimate has multiple villages from throughout the history of the series. Okay. And then by extension of that, multiple monsters, like favorite monsters from the history of the series, as well as original new monsters to keep it spicy too. And then it has new mechanical hitches too. Um, so you have special moves in Generations, uh, and you pick a class that kind of relegates the different functions you can perform in combat, and then you get special moves based on that class, okay. um, which is something that prior versions hadn't had. So right now I like using the longsword is my favorite weapon to use, which is a great big katana that's like the size of your character, like Sephiroth style. <laughs> and I've paired that with a job class that is focused on aerial combat. So if you do a roll and you make... There's a dodge roll, which is pretty integral to Monster Hunter. Mm -hmm. If you dodge roll towards the enemy and you have this aerial focus class, you vault up into the air. And then then you can do, like, combos in the air. Or if you land on a monster, correct, you can mount them, like, a rodeo style. And, like, like, wail on them while you're sitting on them. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm, like, vaulting up in the air and I'm doing, like, somersaults with my giant katana. And it's awesome (laughs) and I love it and I love Monster Hunter. So, so can you can you change that job class at will? Because I, I yes. know you, I know a big thing in sort of other Monster Hunter games is sort of changing up your weapon and that sort of thing. So, so yes, you, so you, you can you can switch out your class according to different um, situations as well. Yeah, it's it's the most versatile Monster Hunter. Um, in prior versions of Monster Hunter, um, I'm thinking the first two. I can't really remember where this got dissolved or not. But you used to you used to originally have to choose whether or not you were a, a blade master or a gunner. Right, and then you were locked into what kind of equipment you could use and couldn't use. In later versions of Monster Hunter, they dissolved that, and you could do either with one character. Just just change your equipment. Like yeah. if you want to be a gunner, equip a gun, equip gun armor. Like they decided that that was kind of arbitrary. Yeah, because you don't really have stats in Monster Hunter. All your stats mm-hmm. are, are gear only. You, you don't yeah. have a level. You don't have character stats. So there was no reason to lock your class to your character. Um, so in that same vein, th- these new job class, these hunter styles, I think is what they call them, you can switch them up on the fly too. You just go back to your house and then you can switch your, your hunting style and switch the special moves you have equipped based solely on what type of weapon you want to use. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Monster Hunter is based entirely around the weapons are like the, the stars and what your weapon is capable of doing kind of defines your role in combat. So there are defense-focused weapons like the shield and lance. So 
theoretically, if you decide, hey, I'd like to fool around with a shield and lance, then you can go back to your house, examine those hunting styles, pick one that's more focused on being stationary and providing defense boosts, switch yeah. to that, and then play that role. Mm-hmm. Like, it's totally versatile. You're totally free to collect whatever items you want, equip them however you wish, and then change that class to play however you want. It's the most, ver- like I said, the most content-rich and most versatile Monster Hunter to date. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I've not I've not seen a lot of people talking about it recently. To be honest, uh, yeah, a, a lot of Monster Hunter fans still seem to be playing and enjoying World quite a bit. So yeah, it's good to good to hear some some good news about that. Definitely. How um how accessible is it? Oh, it's not to, to new. No, I, I didn't think so because that <laughs> that was that was kind of the intention with this. I think wasn't it? So Monster Hunter World would draw some new people in, and then yeah, and this would correct. be here for the the sort of hardcore Monster Hunter fans. Yeah, so. I mean, if anything, by virtue of the new mechanics and breadth of content, it's the least accessible Monster Hunter ever. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? Because then now there's so much. Even I've been like, what am I supposed to do? Like, all the, <laughs> like with all the job classes, with the with the the addition of the classes and the special moves as this kind of new hiccup. Yeah. Like, even even I've had to go back to tutorials, relearn some of my favorite weapons. I, yeah. Yeah, it, it is just as accessible as... Mo- in- inaccessible as Monster Hunter is famous for being. So, uh-huh. like, don't, don't expect to pick it up without a friend to hold your hand. Oh, but I, 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 I wasn't. Like, like I say, I, I mean, I was fully expecting this to be the... The Monster Hunter Pro, if you like, to, to Monster yeah. Hunter Worlds. Uh, yeah, it UB, very much friendly stuff. All right, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, it's it, I'm loving it. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but I, I I was always gonna love it because I've been a Monster Hunter fanboy forever. I mean, yep. you're you're, t- you're talking to a guy who has the original first one on PS2. Still, I bought the network adapter for the PS2 to play it. I bought a key- <laughs> I bought a USB keyboard for the PS2. Like I'm all about Monster Hunter and always have been. <laughs> well, good. This has lived up to your expectations, then. Excellent. Anything else? Uh, I got God Wars, the oh, yes. complete the complete version of God Wars on the Switch. Yeah. Um, um, it's great. Um, not a whole lot to talk about. It's one of those games that I would describe as a competent version of what it is. Yep. Like you know, I, I'm not going to write home about it. It's not doing anything super special. But if if you are in the mood for a really well made grid based Japanese strategy RPG. Um, God Wars is pretty cool, yeah. <laughs> and it's nice that it's on Switch with all the DLC on the cartridge. Um, and what's unique about God Wars is its setting. So God Wars takes place in ancient Japan, um, which is rather unique because most games we play that have a historical Japanese setting kind of take place in feudal Japan. The, yeah. The, samurai era Mm -hmm. so god wars is actually focused on the eras before that like the mythological um eras where kind of shinto was still forming um it's very interested in exploring the the cosmology of the old gods yeah and and how that affects japanese folklore and and it's not a setting and a theme that's very common Mm -hmm. so that's what i'm really enjoying about it so far yeah, well, I, I mean, a lot of these sort of old Japanese gods and stuff from Shinto mythology does get used in, in modern stuff, but not in its original setting in most cases. Right. So, for example, stuff like Fate and um, even Warriors of Rochi that I'm playing now, that uses a lot of figures from Japanese mythology, but they're, they're not in their original setting, so it just sort of uses characters inspired by those. So, yeah, it sounds really interesting to see those characters in 
something closer to their original context. Yeah, it's 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 really neat. Um, and then, like like I said, from the gameplay perspective, it's not a super standout strategy RPG, but it's very good. You know, yeah. job classes you can equip up up to two, I believe, and then kind of try to hybrid them together, and then unlock advanced job classes as you go. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it seems good so far. I'm, I'm not hugely deep into it. I've been more distracted with Monster Hunter, but if, like I said, if you're in the market for a good turn-based Japanese strategy RPG and you're done with Disgaea 5, um, <laughs> go yeah. ahead and pick God Wars up because it's quite <laughs> quite nice. Are you ever done with Disgaea 5? No, you just have to decide <laughs> to walk away from Disgaea. There's never no such thing as done with Disgaea. <laughs> If you want to play a strategy RPG on the Switch with numbers that have an, an uh, with numbers that have an amount of digits that you can comprehend, then I definitely recommend God Wars. Sounds good. <laughs> Excellent. All right, is that it for you? Yeah, that's it for me. Haven't haven't been playing too much besides that. Okay, Doc. All right, I've got a few things I want to run through. Uh, first one I want to bring up is this month's cover game on Moe Gamer, which is... Uh, I'm still not entirely sure how to pronounce this properly. I think it's Evenical, um, which is a... It's not really new anymore. It came out in 2015, but Manga Gamer recently released the English localization of it. It's a game from Alice Soft, uh, who are the creators of the Rants series. Um, and it's it's really good. Um its uh, its main selling point is the fact that it's got art by Nan Yagashi, who's the guy who did all the Senran Kagura character designs, um, and he's made no attempt to hide his style in this uh, to such a degree that so many people have mistaken Evenical screenshots for Senran Kagura screenshots. There are, there is a lot in common with the character designs and so on. That's awesome. Um, except it's got porn in it, so you know, win. Uh, in uh, in terms of gameplay, uh, it is like the Rant series. It is a proper RPG. It's not just a, a, a visual novel with some RPG elements. It is a RPG first and foremost. Uh, rather than being a first-person dungeon crawler like Rant 6, it's closer in execution to, uh, I believe, Rant's 8, which is Rant's Quest, which Manga Gamer are currently working on. Um, so it's a top-down RPG. Um, you explore a sort of abstract scale world map, so it's all scaled down um, in sort of console RPG style. You move between towns. Uh, each town's menu-driven, so you've got various facilities you can go and visit and interact with people. And then out in the field, you fight monsters, uh, discover things, find treasure, explore, fill in your mini-map, and all that sort of thing. So in terms of mechanics, it's it's fairly straightforward, um, but it's got some interesting touches in there. Um, one of the, the things I like the most is the skill system. So skills for your characters, uh, you learn some by leveling up, but a lot of them you find as items out in the world. So like you're going to a shrine and you'll find a treasure chest and it's got a skill for one of your characters. Um, but then there's a sort of points assignment system where you can only have a certain number of skills equipped at a time. So you need to kind of manage exactly what uh, what different skills each character's got equipped in order to have a, a decently balanced party. And these skills are not only combat things; they're also there are some sort of utility skills as well. So, for example, the 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 protagonist is the one who has the ability to let the let the party flee from combat, for one thing. And you can take that off and get a skill point back. For example, if you if you you're not the sort of person who likes to run away from combat, um, then there's things like um, sort of being able to see uh, additional information about enemies and being able to see certain things on the world map and that kind of thing. Uh, access certain nodes for things like fishing and such like. 
Um, and yeah, it's it's really fun and satisfying to play. It plays really nice and quickly and snappily. So like the battles are all over in sort of a matter of seconds and so on. They 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 look nice. They've got a nice feeling to them. There's really nice sound effects and music. Alice Soft stuff is always presented really nicely. Um, and yeah, it's just a really enjoyable game so far. It's got some uh, some great characters in it, some great writing. It's genuinely amusing. Um, and like Rants, it's got a setup that sounds like it should be just straight up ridiculous porn. Um, but it's got um, obviously a huge amount of effort and thought has been put into its setting and its overall narrative and so on. So it really subverts your initial expectations for it. Um, I'd likened the Rant series to Discworld in this regard, back when I looked at Rants 5 and 6, and it's the same mm. kind of thing here. So there's obviously um, there's a layer of silliness, but beneath that layer of silliness there is a world that has had a huge amount of thought gone into it. I love that. Yeah, That's like the absolute best. Yeah, it's it's really cool. So um, it, it, is a, it is a believable, interesting world. Um, there are some interesting fan theories out there uh, that uh, Evenical might well be sort of the far future of the Rants world and that sort of thing. And that's kind of borne out by the fact that you're seeing a lot of the same kind of enemies and stuff there. You hear sort of myths and legends of things that happened in Rants and that kind of thing. So there's like a popular legend of um, sort of a, a, a world that was created by a giant whale and that sort of thing. And that that is the, the concept of the Rants series and that sort of thing so um that's it's, cool yeah so so there's a, a lot of possible tie-ins that uh, i don't know if uh, at this point whether they they go anywhere with i know they're planning to do a sequel to eve nickel in the future as well i think they're working on that for the japanese market at the minute because uh, they've just finished actually finishing off the rant series altogether so they can focus on other things now but yeah, it's a very, very cool game that I'm enjoying a great deal so far. So um, if you're open-minded enough to play uh, Erige RPGs, 18-plus RPGs, then it's definitely one you should take a look at. Um, and it's also one I will probably bring up in the third segment as well, because at the moment it's digital only. Uh, mm. It very much deserves a physical release. Rants 5 and 6 got a physical release by Manga Gamer, so hopefully this will happen for Eve Nickel at some point in the future as well. I will happily buy it again to have it in a box. I'm just uh, so excited that Alisoft is doing so well. Yeah, I, I know there were periods in their their history where things were kind of rough. Yeah, for them. So it's really cool to me that at this point, this kind of new age of you know digital distribution and and more openness with PC gaming and the types of games that are on PC and is really opening up more mm -hmm. people more people to their content and that they're they're very successful at what they do which is uh, I'm, i've never really been interested in playing their games per se personally but it's just always really exciting to me when a development house gets good at what they do and and, and finds their groove and finds success doing it like it yeah. makes me happy yeah and i i'm delighted that mango gamer are working with them so closely to bring stuff to the west now because they are a really significant part of japanese gaming history in terms of pc gaming so like mm -hmm. the the original Rants games were some of the earliest Erige, they were some of the earliest PC RPGs uh, by Japanese developers. So they've got a ton of history behind them. Um, but unless you're sort of 
already pretty well versed in visual novels, Erige and that sort of thing, then not a lot of people know about them. Um, I've certainly never seen articles about them on sort of the, the bigger sites out there, just because they, they tend not to cover that kind of thing. They tend to sort of sure. write it off as 18 plus stuff is all porn. But we, I mean, we know that's that's not true. There is adult content in this. There is sexual content in it. But, you know, it's it's not just a game that you play for the porn. It's a game you play for the story, for the gameplay, for all the other good stuff as well. It just happens to have erotic content in it as well so yeah I, I i am having a lot of fun with that so uh you can stay up to date with my progress through that on moegamer.net i'm writing about that all of this month uh so you can find out more about it there okay next thing i want to talk about is snk heroines which uh, we we teased a bit earlier on snk heroines is really fun Yay. i love it um be- yeah just because um it is a fighting game that i have already Uh, feel like i have learned things from there have been a lot of people that i've seen being a bit snooty about it online saying that it's not a good learning game or whatever just because it lacks certain components that other fighting games have like you 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 can't crouch for example and this is seemingly the biggest criticism and the worst possible thing the game could have ever done but you know it means that you don't have as many moves to worry about so you can concentrate on the other aspects of the game i've already done an extensive video making my argument on this so I, i i won't repeat myself too much but it is a fun game um i can feel myself getting better at it with each playthrough of the story mode and the survival mode i did jump online and got completely absolutely ass blasted by the first person (laughs) i played against but i was expecting that entirely um but yeah i'm having a lot of fun with it it's uh, it's got lovely character designs it's got cute outfits for all of them the customization stuff is a lot of fun it's got a really enjoyable photo mode in there as well so you can pose your characters in your custom outfits against various backdrops and stuff as well so yeah it's, it's a fun game um compared to some other fighting games it might seem a little bit light on content so it's not got as many characters as some of like the say the arcsis games that well, are what there. does jesus um, the exactly um but it, it it's got it's got a manageable roster i found it's, it's got a roster of characters that you you can you can play each of those characters have an experiment with them get a feel for what they're like and from there you can you can pick a main um i, I i'm not entirely convinced that i have picked my main yet because i have i haven't tried all of the characters just yet but the controls are accessible enough that you can get a feel for them very quickly without having to learn complicated movements mm-hmm. and gestures and such like. So it takes very much the, the Smash yeah, Brothers yeah. approach to, uh, to to control schemes. So you've got um, you've got two attack buttons. You've got a light attack and a strong attack. Uh, the strong attack tends to have things like uh, knockback and stuff on it as well, but it's a bit slower, obviously. Uh, and then you've got a special button. So you press the, uh, the special move button, does something by itself, normally a projectile if you just press it. And then if you push it with different directions, that does other special moves as well. So each character tends to have maybe sort of uh, two or three or four at most different special moves in different contexts. Um, and because you don't have to worry about being able to do, a say, a dragon punch movement, which I still can't do after however many years it's been since Street Fighter 2 came out, I still can't reliably do a dragon punch movement, even with a good arcade stick. So... Yeah, this is ideal for me because it allows me to focus on that sort of fundamental aspect of fighting games. So understanding when is a good time to attack, when you should go on the defense and, and all that sort of thing. So yeah, I'm having a really good oh, time I'm glad. so far. So yeah, 
Um, online, I have had variable performance with it. Um, me and Ken from the Mario Gamer Discord, we tried to have a game last night and we just had absolutely unbearable lag, um, which is a bit of a shame. We're not sure if that was down to the, the fact that we're a long way from each other or if it's just that the netcode's not great. I haven't delved into the online all that much yet. Um, and there don't seem to be a huge amount of people playing it on the on the Switch version, at least at the moment. But uh, I will report back on that further in the coming weeks. In the meantime, I'm having a lot of fun with the with the single player modes. And to be honest, it's kind of set up more like a a party game anyway. So I think a lot of the appeal is going to come from actually taking your Switch uh, to someone else's house and playing mm. it with other people. Because the nice thing about those accessible controls is you don't have to spend half an hour explaining to people how to play yeah, the damn yeah. game, which is which is the trouble with a lot of modern fighters. So it's, it's like, oh, let's play a fighting game. Sounds like a great idea when you take uh, take a game over to a friend's house, but you then have to tell them to look at the command list, and what button does what, and so on. You you've got three buttons to worry about in this, and no complicated gestures or anything to do. So even a friend who enjoys fighting games but has never never really move beyond Street Fighter 2 they can get something out of this and you can have a good competitive match with it which is exactly what they were aiming for with it so and it, it it's uh, yeah it's the first fighting game that I've sort of had an interest in for quite some time and makes me want to check out more SNK stuff which is great join us <laughs> I'm scared oh, <laughs> SNK SNK fighters who, who do you like so far? Like, who are you considering for your mains? Um, I, I mean, um, Sylvie's been a lot of fun. Uh, I like Sylvie primarily just because she is entertaining to watch mm -hmm. and, yeah. and, and dress up and such like. Uh, but she's got some fun moves as well. Um, Terry Bogard has been quite uh, quite fun to play as, as well. Um, I, I, I kind of get a feel for how her special moves and stuff work. Uh, Kula as well. I've had uh, a, a bit of success with. Have you unlocked her adorable um, ice skating outfit yet? Yes, yes, <laughs> it's, it's lovely. It's so great. Yeah, yeah, it, it's great. I it, yeah, I did a, a lovely custom outfit of her where where it's like her ice skating outfit, and she's wearing glasses as well, and it makes her super cute. <laughs> yeah, I haven't bought SNK heroines because just the entire way the game set up feels like a slug for like DLC Paradise to me. Like, there's yeah, a really I, I, tiny roster of characters. I've read an article already about how few outfits there are. Like, surprisingly fewer outfits than everyone was expecting. So, like, mm -hmm. I just see the next, like, year and a half of being, like, packs of shit. Like, I, I, I wouldn't... Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, there's there's enough there to, to, to keep me happy. So Of course. Because I... I'm not intending on making it my main game that I'm playing it or any point uh, or anything like that, but uh, there is enough there for me to have a bit of fun with, customize some characters. There's three outfits for each fighter at the minute, which is which is not terrible. I mean, it'd be nice to have some more, but to be honest, any fighting game these days I expect to be a complete DLC trap. Yeah, so. sure, it's true. But I was gonna say I, I don't want to be one of those guys complaining because the internet is full of them about it what their SNK waifu not being in it, but for for every DLC character that's not that's announced that isn't Blue Mary, I'm gonna burn a house to the ground. <laughs> I don't know whose house but but for every like, come on. Come on <laughs> Yeah. The trouble is SNK have got so many, many quality heroines to draw from Oh I know. Yes. Yeah. 
But yeah. blueberry is so super like integral. Like, ah, she drives me crazy. It was bad enough that the, she was DLC for King of Fighters 14 too. <laughs> well, we'll see down the road. But yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with that at the minute, so I, I will doubtless report back on that further. Cool. In the near future. Um, other stuff I've been playing, uh, I just want to take a moment to plug some of my other videos on my YouTube channel. Uh, so I'm continuing to play through Warriors Orochi on Wednesdays. Uh, so I'm doing a, a Let's Play series of that, running through the Samurai Warriors campaign of that. Having a lot of fun with that game, actually. It's uh, In terms of the grand scheme of the Warriors series, because it's quite an old one now, it's a relatively simple one, but it's very enjoyable. It's got a nice variety in its characters getting a good feel for the mechanics as we go through so yeah um if you want to know more about that then check out the series uh, that i'm doing on that uh, i'm also doing a series on sunday um about uh, sonic and all-stars racing transformed at the moment the overall series is about arcade races but i've been having a lot of fun with uh, sonic and all-stars racing transformed on its pc version so check that out that is an excellent kart racer and it is uh particularly worth playing if you like kart races but you think mario kart single player is crap which it is um <laughs> sonic and all stars racing transformed has a fantastic single player mode that uh, oh it, yeah it's great it's absolutely great draws a lot of inspiration from some of sumo digital's other titles like outrun uh outrun 2 and such like so a lot of the challenges in that are, are pretty much lifted straight from Outrun 2's heart attack mode. Uh, things like drift challenges and passing through gates and overtaking a certain number of cars as well. So it's not just races. Uh, there's even boss fights. So like I was going to say, I love the tank battles. Yeah. So there's, there's levels where you have to you have to shoot down a tank um, as well. So yeah, ton of fun. Watch those out. Um, I've also started another uh, video project. This is video only at the moment. I don't know if I'm going to launch a site to go with it, but uh, I do already have an Atari site that I might revamp at some point. Uh, but I'm doing a series called Atari A to Z, where I'm going through the library of games on the Atari 8-bit computers which is the uh, the series of computers that I grew up with, the first computers I used. So I'm going through um, a letter at a time of the alphabet, picking a game from that letter and just playing it for a few minutes. So uh, at the time of writing, I think we are up to D. Uh, I did Dandy this week, which is the game that uh, pretty much directly spawned Gauntlet. Um, and it started off as just like a sort of... Um, amateur production that was released through atari's atari program exchange um scheme which is where anyone this is some fascinating stuff if you're a gauntlet fan yeah like i had no i had no idea about this and i watched your video and i was just like screaming <laughs> yeah so 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 dandy was originally released by um a guy who he he originally wanted to do a sort of multiplayer dungeons and dragons thing um with network computers but it, it eventually got scaled down into what became dandy which was a um a game that ran on a single computer for up to four people uh, but it also had a dungeon editor as well so you could create your own levels up to 26 on a single disc um and then and then save them so yeah, basically infinite replayability if you had the time and patience to create your own levels and there were 26 levels included there you could play it four player on the original atari 400 which had four joystick ports or two player on the uh xl and xe systems so yeah and it's a really fun game uh it's not as it's not got as much complexity to it as gauntlet not that gauntlet is especially complex but um yeah it's fun and as you say it's a fascinating origin story that uh not not as many people as you might think are familiar with so 
go check that out uh so that is continuing on tuesdays uh that particular series um and the final thing i want to talk about today is uh, i took a trip back to my parents house recently and uh my dad went up into the loft and reclaimed our uh philips g7000 video pack computer which uh <laughs> which i don't even know what this is well so i'm like super excited to learn more well for for, for you, you guys in the states it's better known as the magnavox odyssey 2 um, it was oh, released okay. there. So Mag- Magnavox, by this point, was a uh, subsidiary of Philips, but they they kept using the Magnavox name in the states. Um, the Odyssey One was um, officially the first ever um, home video game console. Um, so there's there's a lot of history there. The, the Odyssey Two was a contemporary of the Atari Twenty Six Hundred and the Intellivision and Fairchild mm-hmm. Channel F. So it was a sort of second generation console. It's regarded as, uh, but it's not nearly as well known as some of those others. Uh, it was a lot bigger in Europe and Brazil than it was in the States. Um, so the the interesting thing about it is it was mostly first party releases for it. So most of the games were released by Philips. Um, and they they formed a numbered library, so like every game in the series is numbered, um, and I think there's about 55 altogether, 51 of which work on the G7000, and the last four or five were specifically designed for a later re-release that had slightly enhanced graphical capabilities. Um, and then there were literally, I think, five um, third-party releases. Uh, so there were two by Imagic, and I think three or four by parker as well so parker released some versions of frogger uh popeye uh cubit and something else i've forgotten and then imagic did uh demon attack and atlantis which were two games that did a lot better on the 2600 uh, but the system's primarily known for the games that were released by philips these numbered games and there's a real variety of fascinatingly different stuff in there so a lot of the early games had compilations so like the the first cartridge had a single player racing game that was a bit like monaco gp uh, so like vertically scrolling racer just dodged the cars um then there was a two-player racing game on there that's a bit like sprint uh so top down um single screen racing uh, and then bizarrely it also had a anagram game that you could use the the keyboard on the console to type in words and then uh your your friend had to decipher them it's like one of the interesting things about this console is the only one that actually had a full-size keyboard on it as well so as well as the two joystick oh, okay. controllers you had a full qwerty keyboard on it too so there were quite a lot of games that made use of this keyboard to um do things like word games and math games and that sort of thing as well so that's neat um yeah so some some of the most well-known games for the platform there is uh, a game called munchkin uh, which is known as kc munchkin in the states for the odyssey 2 release um this is most famous for getting into a lot of trouble with atari uh, because it is i don't want to i don't really want to call it a pac-man claim because it is substantially different from pac-man in a number of ways but it is a game where you go around a maze you are a thing that looks a bit like pac-man and you eat stuff so you can see how atari might be a bit pissed off with that but um yeah the the thing with munchkin is it's got features like the the dots move for one thing so there's this the entire maze isn't filled with dots but you just have a few dots in each corner that gradually move around the screen as you're uh going around the maze um it has the ability to randomly generate mazes for you um 
Oh, that's cool. And it also has it also has a maze editor as well. So you can uh, you can load up uh, either a blank screen or a preset maze or one of the randomly generated ones, and then you can customize it uh, using the keyboard. So you you, you do a sort of uh, row and column uh, thing. So like A four or whatever, and you tell it whether you want to remove a wall or add a wall to that. And so you can make your own mazes. There is no facility to save anything on this because it uses old ROM cartridges with no battery backup or anything. No one had quite figured that out by that point, so you can't save them. Um, but for that individual play session, you can create a maze and then try and play through it or give it to someone else to play, that sort of thing. So, yeah, a lot of fun with that one. Um, several of the games have this delightful thing where when you get a high score you can type in your name as well so if you want to type obscenities and make them appear at the bottom of the screen until someone beats your score you can do that um, again they don't save so they, they only stay valid for as long as you are playing that individual game but the the games that incorporate that component have that magical addictive quality where you just want to keep playing them for ages and ages and ages so like <laughs> yeah they, they, there is something about them they so games like munchkin and um satellite attack is another one that's a shoot 'em up one uh pickaxe pete is a, another famous one that was uh, very very popular in brazil that one um yeah they they are like digital crack they are ridiculous um just because they are set up in such a way that uh, you only have one life for one thing so you have to get as many points as you can in one single playthrough but they just immediately restart as soon as you have finished so you get like a couple of seconds to type in your high score and then they just start again so it it is set up for you to just want to keep playing them over and over again there's none of like the the 2600s resetting and picking difficulty levels and game variations and such like it just goes straight back in there for you to play again and i have a theory that like the modern resurgence of the roguelike in the indie sphere is tapping into that yeah very like, much. that's why that that's that's why that resonates so well with people right yeah, now Yeah, very much it's because we the, we forgot about that yeah the reason that super meat boy was so well received is precisely because of that so super meat boy you die it immediately restarts it doesn't ask if you want to restart it just restarts and it's such a simple thing but it does so much for a game's addiction factor it does so much for making you want to keep playing a game um but yeah yeah like it's stuff like munchkin that i've described it's such a simple game but i keep coming back to it in a a way that i just don't do with 2600 games and so on i've always liked this console a lot more than the 2600 just precisely because it's got these games that have really got that that magical addictive quality to them um and one of the things I'm doing with this console is I, I've set up a new site. It doesn't have its own domain yet, name yet, so it's just on WordPress at the moment. But if you go to videopackgames.wordpress.com, I'll leave a link, link down in the description on uh, YouTube and probably on Mario Gamer for this. Uh, if you pop over to there, you can see me gradually working through the library of these numbered games uh, as I add them to my collection. Um, find out a few details about how they play and some personal thoughts on them. So if you're interested in this sort of underappreciated under discussed part of gaming history then that's something to check out you uh, you know i had known nothing about this until you started telling me about it and uh, just the covers of these oh, things are incredible it's such delicious retro cover yeah. art i just oh it's wonderful the um it's quite interesting because we we had uh, there's several variations on the covers for these as well so like the early games just had a black box with a number on them so like they didn't even say what the games were so like you think hmm, i fancy a game of four today 
um, but they, they did later get reissued with uh, cover art and it's a similar kind of philosophy to what Atari was doing in the 2600 and early 8-bit era so they're, they're all sort of like hand-painted uh, cover art and that sort of thing um, the Odyssey 2 versions of the boxes that came out in the States, they took a completely different aesthetic, but they're really cool as well. They're all sort of like very uh, sort of heavily inspired by sort of neon art and that sort of thing. So if you get a chance, to, oh, cool. if you get a chance to check those out, then the, yeah, they were worth a look. All of the American releases of these games all had an exclamation mark on the end as well. Like literally all of them, even golf. So instead of golf, it was just golf. <laughs> I love it. But yeah. Okay, um, so that is what I've been up to. Um, not a lot else to talk about at the minute, but uh, hopefully that's given you some uh, some stuff to think about and uh, some things you'd like to check out a bit further. So, whew, been a long one today. Um, let's take a short break and then we'll get into our, <laughs> I say main topic, but uh, <laughs> after the last two segments, uh, I, uh, I wonder how much we'll have left to talk about. So... <laughs> <laughs> We shall see. We'll see. I got a list. I got a list. Alrighty. Okay, so let's take a short break and then we'll get into our topic for the episode. So we'll see you in a moment. Welcome back. Time for our third segment now. And today's topic, we wanted to talk a bit about uh, games that we wished had a physical release that don't. Um, to be honest, I, thinking about this, I've actually had quite a tough time with this because a lot of the games that I would have brought up for this uh, topic in the past have actually ended up having a physical release at some point. Yeah, it's been getting better. <laughs> Things have been getting much better, which is... Yeah. So a lot of publishers, uh, particularly uh, towards this sort of uh, lower end of sort of A to B tier games, are starting to cotton on to the fact that the kind of people who are interested in that kind of games are willing to pay out the money for either collector's editions or, or just even limited physical releases of things. Uh, which is good, because a lot of the people who are interested in big budget stuff, they are now um sort of firmly in this mind of uh, more disposable entertainment so they're 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 very much in the netflix mindsets where they're quite happy to pick up something play it for a bit cast it aside delete it from the hard drive and never think about it ever again yeah it's funny yeah. how that's matured right because it's like mm. the types of games that appeal to the people who think of gaming ephemerally are the games that are guaranteed to get a physical release yeah, exactly. And the types of games that appeal to collectors are the types of games that are not 100% guaranteed to get a physical release. Yeah. Mind you, they, those big games will still sell. So, like... Oh, um, yeah. A, so, like, a, a year... Or, yeah, physically, I mean. So, like, a, a year or two back, I, um, I spent some time uh, between big jobs working for our game retailer in this country, just called Game. It's our GameStop equivalent. And anytime there was like a new FIFA or Call of Duty or Battlefield or something like that, uh, we'd always do like a midnight release thing for it. And there would always be a lot of people there picking it up. 
um and there would always be uh sort of parents coming in picking it up stuff for their kids and so on so there's obviously still a market for this kind of thing but at the same time um the people who maybe aren't having stuff bought for them um or that kind of thing they're 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 just as happy to do like a digital preload of something uh, and just have it on the console and then just get rid of it when they're they, they no longer need it uh whereas in my experience anyway the people who really want those physical editions the people who really want to collect stuff are the people who are up for uh sort of more off the beaten track experiences and so on so and as you say a lot of developers not just uh, companies like limited run games and special reserves and that sort of thing but people like idea factory and uh nice america and that sort of thing they're, they yeah they're really cottoning on to the fact that people do still want physical releases of this stuff mm-hmm so a lot of stuff is is happening um so yeah it's 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 been a surprising struggle to to think of stuff that hasn't had that that um i I really wanted to bring up so the first one i I did want to mention i've already talked about today which is evenical from uh manga gamer um and it actually surprised me that this didn't have a physical release immediately just because so many people were looking forward to it uh, purely on the strength of Alisoft's reputation and the fact that it was really well received when it was first released in Japan. So, um, Evenical, when it released in 2015 in Japan, uh, it sort of had the best reception of all Alisoft's non-Rants games since uh, Daiakuji, which is the, the game that saved them, um, if, if you know your Alisoft history. So, while they were trying to figure out what to do with the fifth rants game which ended up having four different versions before the one we actually got um they were sort of running out of money and really struggling and having real financial problems um so in the meantime they released this game called daiakuji that turned out to be a massive success for them um and that is the game that that saved them at that point and evenical is the one that uh, performed the best since that one came out okay that didn't have that didn't have rants on the box so uh for it to get a western release that was digital only was a bit disappointing for some people but um manga gamers way of operating is often that um physical releases will often come out a bit later mm-hmm. so it's it's not something we can rule out altogether but uh, at the time of recording it's a bit disappointing that we, you can't have this on your shelf because it's ideally set up to have like a lovely boxed version maybe with some art cards or an art book in it or something because the art in it is so lovely nan yagashi's artwork is 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 so sort of distinctive and well yeah, received in other places stuff. it's been so on so yeah um so i'm not going to rule that all together but um it's definitely the first one that springs to mind um at the time of recording certainly so i'm sure you've got uh, plenty in mind though so let's let's hear from you yeah i've got a list i mean the reason i suggested this initially for topic today was because of the news with the last remnant right so like yes yeah. i i do hope we see a physical release for that last remnant remaster because i really don't want to have to buy it on the 360 i, I just <laughs> Not that I have any problems with the 360. It's just I'm, you know, I, I it's not hooked up. I don't have an I don't have a newer 360 with HDMI, so it's a pain in my butt. Oh, okay. Um, if I want to play something on the 360, um, so I'll start off with the big one, um, Freedom Planet. Ah, yes. Um, yes. When I found out that Xseed was publishing the Switch port of Freedom Planet. 
I was like, holy shit, yes, because it's Xseed. <laughs> so I'm going to get a beautiful box with a soundtrack and an art book. And no, Xseed was just publishing the digital release on the e-store. And it was like, when the Grinch's heart grows three sizes, like imagine that in reverse. <laughs> like my, my heart yeah. was filling my chest and then it just shriveled into a freaking prune. Like, yeah. Freedom Planet is amazing, and I love it. It is by Galaxy Trail. The original Windows version came out in 2014, so it's been around for quite some time. Uh, Freedom Planet was originally conceived as a Sonic fan game, and then the creator decided that he wanted to make something new and distinct instead of making something that was a tribute piece so that he could actually make something that was his and sell it commercially um so freedom planet kind of evolved from that and the way i would describe freedom planet to people most of the time is it's the saturn 2d sonic game that we never got yeah absolutely um so if you like sonic and you like mascot platformers with bright colors and interesting stage gimmicks like Freedom Planet is amazing. Also, it has what might be one of my favorite game soundtracks in recent history. Like, I listen to the soundtrack for this game constantly. Mm-hmm. It's just so good. Um, the characters are great. There's three playable characters in the original Freedom Planet, and they all play differently. Um, it's got a very robust story mode with full voice acting, which is kind it's of actually, nuts yeah, for a side-scroller. Yeah, it's actually... Pretty good voice acting as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's not bad. It's certainly better than what you would expect for something of this production level. Mm. No, like, it's just one of those games that when I first played it, it was just constantly surprising how good it was. Yeah. And I'm just so attached to it on this, like, artistic and emotional level that it, like, kills me that there's no way for me to put it on my in my collection on a shelf. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping maybe as we get closer to the release of Freedom Planet 2, which is currently in development, maybe there'll be some more motion towards it. But at this point, if it hasn't happened, I'm worried that it won't. Because it's been around for quite some time. The the PS4 versions existed for quite some time. The Switch versions... Like I said, the Switch version was published by someone who publishes physical games, and there still wasn't a physical version of it. Yeah. So, I don't know what's going on here, but I really need a copy of this. I don't care if it's through one of those boutique companies. I don't care if it's through Limited Run. I just... I really want to own this game. Yeah, definitely. Seconded, I would happily buy another copy of that. Yeah. And yet, yeah, like you say, it's really surprising that XE didn't go for a physical release on this one because there was they, they had so much feedback saying that people wanted this. So yeah, it's 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 really odd to me that they they didn't go with that, which is a shame. But uh, yeah, it, it's one that's genuinely surprising to me that it hasn't happened yet. On. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. What else do we got here? Um, Enter the Gungeon. I oh, yes. I, I really love. Now there is a physical release for the PS4 version coming out very soon um, through Special Reserve Games. Yeah, they're putting a really nice package together with like a, a hardcover art book. It's really lovely stuff. But I already own it digitally on the PS4. Um, I want this game on the Switch. 
Yeah. Um, I want a physical copy of the Switch version very badly. Um, Enter the Gungeon is a roguelike, top-down shooter. Um, not dissimilar from Binding of Isaac in concept, which I know a lot of people are familiar with, but just in terms of production level, artistic presentation, visuals, music, level of content, like Enter the Gungeon is incomparable. Yeah, it's it, great. It's physically, it feels amazing. Um, so there's a, a pretty ace dodge roll maneuver for zipping around and dodging bullets. I mean, the game is so focused on the satisfying feeling of its dodge roll that the development studio called themselves dodge roll. Yeah. Like, you can flip tables to protect yourselves from bullets, um, collect crazy guns that, like, you'll get a gun that shoots cats, but then in the next time you play through, you'll get a gun that shoots exploding grenades and lasers. And It's just... It's so much fun to play. It's beautiful to behold. The, the, the tech behind their technique for making for mapping the pixel art to polygons to make it look authentic but still be able to be procedurally generated easily is amazing like these developers know their stuff i can't wait to see what they do next um but yeah enter the gungeon um hopefully one day i will get a physical release of the switch version because i really want to enjoy it in handheld mode um, yeah definitely it is a prime example of a modern game that has that addictive quality you were talking about a few moments yes. ago with the phillips stuff like when i sit down with enter the gungeon i'm very surprised like where did the last two hours of my life go <laughs> yeah yeah um on that note i will jump in because i i have two um similar situations where there are already limited physical releases of these games available for the ps4 version but i would very much like switch cartridges of them mm, i think i know where you're going with this you know where one of them's going definitely and that's shantae mm -hmm. um so shantae is amazing i absolutely adore the shantae series uh we have had um that lovely ultimate edition of half genie hero on switch which is great um We've had a digital release of Shantae and the Pirate's Curse, which is a wonderful game that I would love to have on a cartridge. Uh, we haven't had Risky's Revenge yet, uh, and obviously there's no um, no sort of Game Boy Color port on there either. So it would be lovely to either have the Shantae games released individually on Switch, I would happily buy them as individual games, uh, or some sort of Shantae collection would be the ideal scenario for me. Um, that would be lovely. I would yeah. love to see that. I would love all of those games in one place, on one platform, in physical format, just so I can add them to my collection and say, yes, I've got all of them. Um, they, are, they are just such lovely games that they, they deserve better than a digital-only release. Oh, yeah, um, they're, they're the best. The second one I want to bring up is um, another one that, like I say, has had a, a limited-run games release uh, on PS4 already, but a Switch version came out a bit more recently, and that is uh, Kero Blaster. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kero Blaster is a game by uh, Daisuke Maya, uh, or Pixel, as he's better known. He's the guy who made Cave Story. Um, and while Cave Story was his take on the sort of um, Metroidvania subgenre, Kero Blaster is a bit more like a, a more conventional uh, 2D run and gun game so it's got elements of uh, kind of old school Castlevania and Contra in it mm -hmm. uh, so you are a, a frog running along and shooting things 
and you get various weapon upgrades as you go through it's got lovely level design it's got a really distinctive uh, pixel art style um, that is very much sort of early 8-bit so it's not specifically going for late NES era like a lot of uh, retro theme games go today this is specifically going for very early 8-bit so it's got sort of like very plain uh, sort of solid color backgrounds it's got very large pixels um, very flat coloring and shading on the sprites and such like but it's got a very distinctive look as a result it's got again a wonderful soundtrack plays brilliantly uh beautiful level design wonderful satisfying weapons it's a fantastic game that again i would absolutely love to have a cartridge for on my switch mm -hmm. it's perfect um, for handheld mode yeah exactly it's a perfect game for handheld mode exactly so and, and i mean like i say it's got a digital release on switch that um, I am tempted to pick up because it's got all of the additional content that they added after the original release. It's got the new mode that you can play after you finish it. Um, but yeah, I, I would just love to see a, a physical release of that because it's just such a good game that, again, it, it deserves better. It deserves uh, a higher profile position in people's collections than being lost on an SD card or a hard drive somewhere. I mean, that may happen. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I'm, uh, I, it, it's not not going to be ruled out because I mean, uh, Nicholas uh, are working uh, have worked with uh, Pixel on Cave Story Plus already, so it's yeah. um, it's entirely possible that we'll end up with a physical release of that yeah. at some point. But it's uh, not outside we'll of the realm of possibility that Limited Run would do it too. I exactly. mean, they, they've they've done it once before. They've come back and done a switch, late a switch version later of something they've done on the PS4. Yes. I mean, it yes. wouldn't be ideal to be limited run, but if that's where I got to buy it from, that's where I'll buy it from. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not ruling those out altogether, but those those are two I particularly wanted to highlight, given what you just said. Mm. Um, another thing that I would quite like to see um, in terms of stuff that is actually digital download only at the moment that hasn't had any sort of physical release at all is some sort of collection of um, Hamster Corporation's uh, Neo Geo re-releases. Oh yeah, yeah. So those like are really the nice. the the ACA Neo Geo releases that they've done for pretty much every platform at this point, it would be great to see a disc or a cartridge with a whole bunch of those on because they they've done loads of them now. I know we've got the the uh, SNK collection, uh, the 40th anniversary collection coming down the road. Yeah, that's not uh, Neo Geo games though. No. Um, so it, it would be great to see some of these ports because these are good ports in most cases and they've, they're, they're customizable. They've got ways you can tweak the performance and the way they appear and so on. Um, so yeah, it would be great to see those collected in some form of physical way And because um, there's, there's some really interesting and unusual games in that collection as well. There's the stuff that everyone's heard of from the Neo Geo collection and then you've got more obscure stuff that they've bothered to, re to release as well so um, besides like your magical drops and things like that you've got things like Money Puzzle Exchanger as well which is uh, a really interesting puzzle game that's basically a magical drop ripoff with a few twists along the way um, so yeah that's that's one thing I, I'd love to see and sort of with the resurgence in interest in retro gaming that, that seems like something that would make a lot of sense again particularly for handheld play mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah very much so yeah, I mean, the, the Switch is where it's at for this stuff, right? Um, yeah. I, the next one on my list is something I think you'll agree hardly with, which is I, I need Blaster Master Zero. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> and I knew I wouldn't get an argument out of you from that one, but uh, Into Creates, right? Basically, like, anything Into Creates is remotely involved in, I need to own and love 
Like, like, like this new game they're making for the Switch too. This uh, dra Dragon. Oh, I can't even remember what it's called. Dragon Mark for Death. Yeah, Dragon Mark for Death. Um, it's getting a physical release in Japan. Yes. Um, so who knows what'll happen? It is getting a lot of DLC though, so I don't know if I would want it right away. I, I, I maybe want to wait. You know, yeah. a year, a year or so to see what happens. Yeah. But what, what I what I would like in that regard is I I'd like maybe um, either blaster master zero with all its dlc because it's had those extra characters so like you can play shantae and shovel knight in there and that yeah. sort of thing uh or some sort of double pack with uh, mighty gunvolt burst would be lovely as well yes yes definitely i would love that too i forgot about, i always forget that exists it's such a good game man you, you you need to play that if you haven't already it's it, it is a fantastic mega man game <laughs> yeah oh yeah i have the original mighty gunvolt on the 3ds because i yes. got it i got it for free being a backer for mighty number no. nine but i yeah but i know burst is just above and beyond like a full oh, yeah. it's a fully featured game it's it's yeah yeah quite burst good. burst is um, amazing particularly when you add all the dlc characters in there you've just got so many different ways to play it is it is a wonderful game that again deserves a wider release and for more people to be aware of because i i wonder how many people are even aware that exists because it, by this point it's buried so deep in the eShop that uh, yeah yeah you have to wonder well, like how many how many people know it exists. Well, like I said, I forget that it exists, and yeah. I am a huge and it creates fan. Like, and I forget that it exists. So, but yeah, Blaster Master Zero, and while we're at it, a US version of Dragon Marked for Death. I mean, yes, the Switch is uh, non-region, so I don't mm -hmm. know how English player friendly the japanese version of mark for death will be but definitely want that as well uh and two more um jamestown plus oh yes, yes. yeah yeah uh jamestown plus is a uh horizontal shoot 'em up with a weird like american history like steampunky sci-fi like aesthetic um retelling the story of like the lost colonies uh, like the lost colony of roanoke and the founding of jamestown in, in yes. from american history but through this weird like sci-fi lens um, oh it's it's the story of the lost colonies but they're on mars yeah 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 <laughs> yeah exactly uh and it's it's just great like it's a great modern shoot 'em up with a pixel artist a beautifully crafted pixel art aesthetic lots of different ships with different shot patterns to experiment with a great uh, risk versus reward scoring system uh it's just a really really well crafted game and it's cool because it's a shoot 'em up that was made for home first never never yes. arcade so it's actually crafted for your widescreen television it's not crafted with a tate mode it's yep. it, it fills your so it fills your screen with bullets and beautiful yeah. pixels and it's I it's got love an it. amazing soundtrack as well. I can't yes. say that enough. It has such a good soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. So I want that. I'm surprised someone like Limited Run hasn't jumped on that yet. Have they not? I feel like someone has done that at some point. I'm, Me? I'm Have they? Am, am I misinformed? carry on talking I, I will look that up while you do that okay so the, the last one I have um, which is something I've been like on the limited run forums I, I've been screaming at for since it existed digitally was a uh, malicious fallen okay, for the PS4 
Yeah, uh, familiar with that one. So Malicious is a action game that was released uh, many years ago, originally on the PS3. I think the game is almost 10 years old at this point, the digital version of the original Malicious. I think it was released almost like 20, 2010. It's been out. It's been out for a while. Um, it is a game where it's kind of focused on choosing a level, and then that level has a big boss, right? And you have to take that boss down, and that's that. But it's just a solid action game, um, and then the boss kind of spits out like mob enemies, and you have to fight those to stay alive. And then by killing the mob enemies, you weaken the boss. So there's this kind of juggle back and forth between controlling the mob enemies, fighting the boss, staying alive, and it's just a really good responsive action game. Yeah. In in the Japanese mold, um, and there's been a lot of different releases. Over the years, um, it came out on the Vita with some additional content and DLC, mm-hmm. and, in, and in Malicious Fallen is the definitive PS4 version with all the DLC, all stages from all versions. Okay. Um, and it's really cool. It has a great aesthetic. Um, it kind of has like a kind of a ghosty, ephemeral feel to the whole thing. Your character is kind of very floaty in the way they move, so there's kind of like a graceful ballet to the action. And, there's magic and particles everywhere, and it's just got a brightly colored anime aesthetic. Yeah, and I, I very much would like to own a physical copy of it. Okay. Um, going back to Jamestown at the minute. Um, apparently, uh, Limited Run have expressed an interest in doing this, but the the trouble they've had is that the developer Final Four get, Form Games, um, the last time they tweeted was in June of 2016. Oh my! <laughs> yeah, so that's not a good they, sign. So they've had a bit of trouble finding anyone to ask. <laughs> um, oh, no. So, so, so they 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 want to do it, but they, I mean, we, yeah, it's, we just don't know what has happened to that developer at all, basically. Huh. Which is oh, that's uh, a shame. Is, that is a real shame. Um, so, yeah, that's that, looking unlikely, unfortunately, because yeah, that that is one that would be a, a, a lovely part of any shooting up fans collection. Yeah, I'll so. say. Um, I thought of another one. What was it? Oh yes, uh, Assault Android Cactus. Oh yeah! That's a good one. This one did have a very, 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 very limited release at one point. Um, By, like, not even limited run games. It was like a really uh, small company who did like a proper cardboard boxed version. Oh, Um, for the PC? I think it was the PC version. Oh, okay. I don't Um, acknowledge that. Um, but yeah, Salt Android Cactus is a game that I have been yelling about for literally years now. Um, just because I, I I have been following it pretty much, it was uh, pretty much since it was in its very early access stage. While I was on, might have been Game Pro, um, either Game Pro or US Gamer. While I was on them, uh, I went to a uh, Eurogamer Expo down in London. Um, and uh, Jazz Rignall, who I was working with at the time, he said, "Hey, there's, there's this game that if if you find a minute, can you go and check it out for me? Because like he, he likes sort of the retro style stuff." I was like, "Yeah, okay." And uh, I, I hadn't heard anything about it at this point, but I went along to see the developer, um, who are these uh, these couple of guys from from Australia, uh, and they yeah they were so passionate and enthusiastic about this this project while it was in such an early stage that I I just couldn't help but be fascinated with this game and follow it along from there so assault android cactus for those who haven't come across it before is a it's a top-down twin stick shooter 
um, very heavily inspired by uh, a combination of things, really. So it's uh, they've taken a lot of influence from several treasure games um, along the way for things like the way that the weapons and the power-ups and stuff work. Um, it's it's a very sort of technical game, so it's 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 not entirely bullet hell, but it's got elements of bullet hell in there. Uh, but there's things like you can um, certain animations you have sort of invincibility frames and stuff, so you can use those to dodge bullets and that sort of thing. Uh, there's a very um, challenging combo system to scoring. So like your ultimate aim for each level is to try and get an S plus rank, which involves uh, having a combo of literally every enemy in the whole level without stopping. Um, and it's just a wonderfully designed game for one to four players. Um, runs beautifully. It's got these wonderful dynamic levels that change and evolve and morph into different things as you're playing. It is, it is an absolutely magnificent shoot-em-up that if you haven't played yet, then yeah, you definitely need to grab. At this point, it's on PC. It's on PS4. Uh, forget whether it came out on Xbox, 3, uh, Xbox, um, Xbox One as well. Uh, but there were certainly plans to do it at one point. There was supposed to be a Wii U version at one point and a Vita version, but I don't think those ever materialised. But definitely, if you have a chance to play that, it is it is one of the best twin stick shooters I've ever played. I so. often describe Assault Android Cactus to people as a, as the twin stick shooter for people who love twin stick shooters deep in their heart, but have become exhausted with them. Yes, be because like there was a time. Like post the success of Geometry Wars, where everyone and their brother was shitting out twin stick shooters. Yeah, and yeah. they were, and you you could literally not disseminate the good ones from the bad ones. Yeah, because there was just so many of them. Like there was, um, oh god, what was that good one from Housemark? Stardust, Stardust, yes. Super Stardust HD was incredible. Yeah. But like, besides that, there was just a lot of trash. Yeah, and so when I played. Assault Android Cactus again, because I was kind of sucked in by the aesthetic of it, and, and like the promise from the developers that like, you know, these are all the places we've taken our inspiration from. So like, uh -huh. I knew these people, I knew the, the folks over at Witchbeam were doing something that was more in line with what I wanted. Yeah. Um, and I, when I played it, I was like, oh yeah, that's right, I really do love Twin Stick Shooters. <laughs> <laughs> like, it really just like reminded me of how much fun the genre can be. Yeah. Well, I think the thing that works so well with Assault Android Cactus is that they've drawn as much inspiration from more traditional shooters as they have from Twin Stick stuff. Yes, so that's they, the so big they, so, thing. So they're not trying to make just another Twin Stick shooter. They they are doing things like that. It, it's not just plowing through hordes of enemies. There are enemies that take multiple hits. There are enemies that require specific strategies to avoid their attacks. The boss fights are absolutely incredible. Um, sort of multi-phase combat um, scenarios that you, ha you have to make sure you're in the right place and time your attacks right and that sort of thing. So, yeah, there, there is as much influence from traditional shooter maps as there are from twin stick shooters in there, and that's what I think makes it stand out so much. Yeah, absolutely. It feels like a proper fusion of Western and Japanese uh, design uh, design ethos. Like, it's it's a best of both worlds kind of scenario, and it really yeah. it really shines. Yeah, absolutely. All right, any other examples for us? No, I think that's all I had. Okay. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm so sure I'll think of like a million more once we're done talking, but that's, that's a sure. good place for yeah. me to stop. The only other one I, 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 I thought about mentioning was um, Yakuza 5 um, for PS3, but I mean, we are 
all being well getting the ps4 remaster of that anyway so that's yeah. probably not going to be too much of an issue yeah uh, that that is one that in the past i've always kind of regretted there not being a physical release for oh but, sure uh but assuming that ps4 version does come west then uh, yeah we won't have to worry about that so well we're in a golden age of yakuza now now that people finally are like in love with it in the mainstream it's really just become yeah not you know a what? question I, I, anymore I find it quite amusing because there's this um, this commenter who has occasionally followed me around my blog and on Reddit and places like that, who has this stick up his ass about what he calls panty quests, um, you know, sort of, sort of colourful moe RPGs and that sort of thing. And he is absolutely convinced of the fact that this is preventing Yakuza games from coming over. And like my response to him is always like, okay so all of the Yakuza games we're not getting in the West like we didn't get one or two or three or four or five or Kiwami or Kiwami 2 or six or you know all of them yeah like what is this dude what is this dude talking about exactly so I, I mean yeah we, we have had almost all of the Yakuza games since then the only ones we haven't got are the, are the spin-off games and it's actually looking quite likely that we're going to get those oh, uh, I want the as, one in uh, feudal Japan so bad yes. So, yeah, Yakuza fans, you have nothing to worry about from panty quests. <laughs> Yakuza go. is a panty quest. Like, every Yakuza <laughs> game every Yakuza game has, like, your, like, flirt with hostesses or run a strip club minigame. <laughs> so, like, you cannot, you cannot simultaneously attack Moe games and champion Yakuza when you can literally <laughs> spend hours in Yakuza talking to pretty girls. <laughs> I know. Like, it's, ri- it's ridiculous. Hypocrisy. It's ridiculous. I just wanted to bring that out just because it always it's makes me laugh every time I see it. But anyway, that's probably a good time to uh, to finish there. Right. Thank you very much for watching. Thank you for engaging in a lengthy and enjoyable discussion, Chris. That was a lot of fun. Anytime. Um, yeah. Please do remind people where to find you on the internet. Sure. You can find my artwork at mrgilderpixels.com. I'm also readily available on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at Mr. Gilder Pixels. Uh, please come say hi. I like to post new stuff, work in progress stuff. I'm starting a new painting this afternoon as soon as we're done recording. So um, always like to hear some feedback. Excellent stuff. And as always, you can find my main site on moegamer.net where I cover Japanese games, visual novels, retro games, and all sorts of other good stuff. Uh, you can find my new Atari A to Z series, which I mentioned earlier on the YouTube channel. If you're watching on YouTube, just click on my name and find out more. If you're listening to the audio-only version on SoundCloud, I'll pop a link in the description or somewhere. Um, also, my new uh, Philips Video Pack site. Like I say, I haven't set up a domain name or anything like that, but you can find that at videopackgames.wordpress.com right now if you'd like to find out more about this uh, weird old system. And uh, yeah, feel free to hang out on Twitter if you want to chat about games and stuff. And yeah, that's about it really. So thanks very much for listening and or watching, and we'll see you again next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember you can watch a video version of it over on YouTube. Be sure to check out moegamer.net for new articles on Japanese and Japanese-inspired video games, new and old, every weekday. Every month, Moe Gamer features an in-depth exploration of an individual game or series as its cover game, 
so be sure to check the archives to see if your favourite has had a deep dive yet. If you'd like to support the site directly, please consider becoming a patron or buying me a coffee. You can find links to do both over on moegamer.net. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.